Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Now, the papers this morning, particularly the tabloids, have pages and pages and pages into the uh, trial of Aaron Brady, who was found guilty of the killing of Detective Adrian Donoghue during an armed raid in County Louth in 2013. Like the Red Tops have 12 and 14 pages in a row from the front page almost to the middle of the papers. This was the longest trial in history and he faces 40 years jail now. Um, caged for 40 years is a headline from the Mirror this morning. Garda's murderer faces 40 years in jail. Um, the Mail this morning says, we'll track you down. What they're referring to there is the Garda who have vowed to hunt down the rest of the killers of Detective Adrian Donoghue. Aaron Brady is the first to be convicted and he got capital murder, guilty of capital murder following yesterday's uh, verdict. And the Deputy Guard Commissioner is saying in the papers this morning, with regards to the rest of them, we'll knock down, we'll knock on your door and we'll make sure you pay for this horrendous act. Now, you probably have been following it. It was a 28-week trial, the longest in the history of the state. Um, and the papers this morning remind us that um, an awful lot of people are in jail because they couldn't keep their damn mouth shut. And over in America, he was boasting because he legged it to America. He was in New York. And he was boasting that he was the most wanted criminal in Ireland. And he was going around telling people, I shot a cop. Now, there are five others. And what was also interesting about this murder murder trial was the use of social media and other things like that to intimidate witnesses. Um, So um, it's just such an awful thing that somebody would go out with his partner of an evening uh, to go to work like that and somebody would shoot him defencelessly in the back of the head. But there's justice at last. Uh, And his wife, of course, thanked everybody for sticking with the trial for as long as they did. He left a wife and two kids behind when killed in 2013. So all of the papers are dominated by that very much. You heard the nine o'clock news there. It's a story making the sun this morning. Anne Mooney has it where the guards have launched a, a probe now after a man's body was found with injuries. Beside the car park there at uh, Merchants Key, car park in the city down around the Merchants Key Parnell Place area. And the guards are treating the death as suspicious. It's that lane there beside Merchants Key car park. You know what? Gruesome find found by a motorist at half past 11 yesterday morning. So that's a, it could well be a, a murder probe. We don't know at this stage, but certainly suspicious circumstances. The vigil at um, Mount Cara House makes the examiner this morning, and as we heard on the air yesterday morning from Dr. John Sheehan, the board and many of the players involved in this uh, are anxious. Uh, that Anxious is my word, not theirs, but they would like to keep the centre open. And while they say it has nothing to do with public protests or anger about it, I believe that that plays a big part in all decisions, the reaction of the public. So well done to all. Not over the line yet, and I'll return to the story in a few minutes' time. You, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen the state of the roads these days. Um, they're pretty shocking and there's a story in the Echo this morning um, where Terry Shannon the local councillor, he's a good councillor actually, a hard working uh, Southside councillor, he apparently was talking to some people recently in the Black Rock area who said that roads in Black Rock are something like the Somme after battle and there's been more and more complaints now with regards to potholes in our roads, but well done, can I say well done, and I know thank you to everybody who contacted me on my Instagram page, sorry for not being able to respond to you all, I'll get through everything eventually, maybe I'm a little bit slow in that regard but people were telling me yesterday of the incredible work that the firefighters did uh, regarding the blaze at Middleton Post Office, Owen English has the story in the Examiner this morning where firefighters have been praised for saving a row of town centre businesses after the devastating gutting by fire of the post office. Now, what we need to 
acknowledges that a lot of the time, you know, it's not just premises that are saved, but lives too. And an elderly woman and one of her daughters had a lucky escape after the fire broke out in the apartment above the post office at half past one in the morning. That must have been a scary and a shocking scenario to wake up to. Um, And then, of course, with the different breakouts of COVID-19, and particularly from yesterday's programme, when we spoke about uh, an area of the north side, I will be returning to that because there are two different stories, actually, two different different breakouts. And, of course, one of them then was associated with a fellow who went in um, and uh, subsequently tested positive for COVID-19 into Madeleine's pub in Tower Street. And thanks to Madeleine's for coming back to us with uh, an extensive explanation as to what happened and how they closed the pub at 9 o'clock on, Mon- on, San- on Saturday. Uh, had a deep clean and didn't reopen it again until Monday. But that story makes the this morning's examiner in quite some detail. Um, and of course, we need to be very much aware of where crowds gather. And I will come back to that later on because skull uh, peer, uh, the the peer in skull, um, you know, isn't the only area now that's causing problems. Apparently, where many many people are ga- gathering. Apparently, down around the dock area of Kinsale has become another pinch point. I'm told in recent days where the weather is really, really good and people were out and about. And who could blame them? But it's it's just about the numbers and everybody up on top of each other. That's the problem. Uh, well, the UK yesterday officially went into recession. I mean, I mean to be a harbinger, harbinger of doom and gloom of a Thursday morning, but the mirror says this morning that we now are on the brink of the worst recession ever. I think you, you will probably find when the numbers come out quarter on quarter that we're in recession and have been for quite some time. And the reproduction rate, thankfully, has fallen slightly. You know, the R rate, it was 1.8 last week. It's fallen slightly to 1.6. There was one death reported yesterday, but it's a death from months ago and 40 uh, cases testing positive and reported last night. Um, There's a lot of interesting colour stories making the papers, which we'll come back throughout the course uh, of the morning. Particularly if you're a parent and in the past or maybe right now, you are giving your baby a soother or a dummy or a pacifier. I suppose the word dummy now is probably on the on the hit list as well, is it? Soothers, dummies and pacifiers are apparently not the greatest thing for your child, they're saying, on a number of different levels. And we'll come back to that. And, you know, I was talking about the fact that I have a plastic, I have a pair of runners that are made 100% from um, recycled sea plastic, which I think is bizarre. I think it's absolutely brilliant. You just wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But there's a story in the mail today telling us that we are unwittingly, unwittingly swallowing plastic in every fish meal that we eat. They're saying a study of five different fish types found that all of the fish were contaminated with plastic. And who's got the most? Sardines, apparently. I don't know whether it does you any damage, but they looked at they looked at oysters and prawns and squid and crabs and sardines and analysed them. And they found that there was tiny amounts of particles of plastic in the flesh of the fish. That's sad, isn't it? Because there's nothing nicer. I went to Bishopstown Court yesterday to the Duns there to a little bit of a shop here and there. But one of the main reasons I go in there from time to time is to O'Connell's, the fish market there. I got the most magnificent sea bass fillet and beautiful lemon sole. And I'd say they were only caught the night before and landed in Castletown Bear. Mother of God, you get fresh fish. It's unreal. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Text 0868104106, lines open on 1850104106 and uh, pick up the phone, get in touch. Now, there was a vigil last night and I promised that I'd stay on this like white on rice um, because it was very, very important to the residents and the families in 
uh, Mount Cara, known as Cara House on Redemption Road. And there was a vigil there last night. What are we doing? The calls first to the Vox first. Which is it? Call, call first. And then we'll play the Vox from last night. Nora Culhan worked in uh, Cara House in the 90s, joins me by phone. Nora, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Were you there last night? Yes, I was. Okay. And tell and me about... I, Go ahead. A great turnout. A great turnout last night. Would you say 200 plus? I know. There was... You know, it, it was good. Yeah, around that. Yeah, yeah that's the figure. More. That's the figure. Do you think there might have been even more than that? Yes, there was. Because, you see, we are very, very concerned here in the north side. I mean, we've lost the North Infirmary. Yeah. We've lost, we've lost so much. And now that we had this beautiful home, not very far, it was very, it's very central. Cara House, that I call it, is, is home from home. And it is home from home because they were well looked after, well cared for. Did you volunteer there, Nora? Was that it? I did. And then I, my sister Sheila made me, I was good, she said, and stay on and got me into false. They had false, they were starting false workers right. then. Right. And I tell you, they were some workers, these nuns, God bless them, and God rest them. Then. And apparently everything know. changed when the nuns gave it over. They, oh, they, well, gave, I, they gifted I, it to the local community, didn't they? Yes, yes. Everyone was welcome. We were treated with respect. Whether you were voluntary or whether you were with boss, you were you were cheered in the mornings. There, everyone was happy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely people. Now, thinking of a few that I work with, for for instance, Noreen Barry, God mercy on her. Sarah Collin, God mercy on her. Liz Keller, God mercy on her. Rita Sullivan. All those ladies, including Eileen Welch, they're all dead now. But they were, they died pretty young. But they were all voluntary. And they gave the best to everyone. And they got back the best from the sisters. I know, I know. Was it, we fair, was it not very sad, though, volunteering and working there for many years? And, and when, when, when an elderly resident would pass away, it would almost be like... A family it member or a friend. And Mary O'Sullivan, God have mercy on her. She lived up the hill for me in Glenthorne. She was a, a trooper. Absolutely fantastic girl. Mm. She ran it like clockwork when the sisters were gone. They died away, unfortunately. But it, I tell you, I have... It, it, I was, the tears were in my eyes last night because it was like history repeating itself when my mum was put out of her home at Besborough to make room for factories in the Jack Lynch time. Is that right? And that was my mum's own property, my mum's own room, my mum's own ground. And I thought last night when I was up there looking at the ladies and the gents that were waving out the window to us, I said, isn't this awful history for me repeating itself again? And that yeah. was back in the 80s. Yeah, because I, I, I do remember the area of land that you're talking about down there. That was all green fields and farmland. The whole yeah. area where Mahon Boyne yeah. Shopping Centre is, all around Ballinour, back and on to Mahon, yeah. you know, even over yeah. as far as the Scahard Road, yeah. it was just land. Um, did, did you, was, the, was your mother, on, was, was that your family home on its own yeah. plot? My mother and my aunt lived next door. Well, that was rented out then to a lady because my aunt had to go to Dagen in London with her husband and children. There was work in, in Dagenham that time. He had a good job. The Dagenham Yank, they called him, yeah. yeah. And then her son rented it out. My aunt rented it out first, then her son took over. And we had a fantastic neighbour. You see, there were detached houses. And last night, it brought it all back to me. 
That's why I'm, I'm so passionate now about keeping Cara House because disturbing elderly people. My mum was just in her 70s when that happened to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all in their 70s now and 80s. And it's so, so sad. Yeah. Are, are, are you optimistic, though, that this might be reversed? I'm hoping it will. Okay. That they'll be left there. I'm hoping the HSE will, will step in and Ken O'Flynn will do it. God bless him. He's fantastic. And so is Thomas Gould. Okay. They are both great last There was only there. one TD there, I'm told, last night. A lot of councillors, but only the one TD. Um, I'm going I'm to play a little Vox from last night's event, all right? This is a selection of different voices. Seamus Wheelahan was there for us, so we're going to have a listen to that, all right, Nora? Yes, yes, no okay. problem. All right, take care of yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, local politicians, councillors, I'm saying, community members, families of all of the residents there uh, had their second vigil last night at Mount Cara House. There was at least 200, uh, Nora's suggesting even more, attended uh, the vigil or protest urging a reversal of a decision to close the facility. Uh, let's have a listen. There's something very sinister happening here. And I am, I'm, I'm feeling convinced that the management who's running is supposed to be running for the people. The land was originally belonged to the people, for the people. The bishop's job is to mine that land for the people. He's selling that land. He must be selling that land for his own benefit. I'm surprised that he's not here to help the people and support the people. They know exactly what's going on. And I, what people here are afraid of, it'll be a drug place. And that's what the bishop wants against the people. The people that bought the land... The land doesn't originally know. He doesn't own the land. That's all I'm saying. It's a shock in what's happening here. They're actually moving people out of there at the moment. And they can't get homes for them. That's what they're doing. I know this for a fact. That manager up there knows what's going on. And it's very wrong. We're after losing the North Infirmary. And they're going to take the snow from us. Well, as they're going to take like The people have nowhere to go anyway. There's 15 people up there with nowhere to go. And where are they going to end up? Down the country? Where nobody will go down to see them? Because it would be too far away, look. I have, and my uncle, he's uh, 90, going 90, he's going to 93 now, he's 92, like, and um, he's broken-hearted. He's just absolutely broken-hearted. He's not sleeping, and he, sometimes he doesn't even feel like eating. He said if he goes into another place, like, where is he going to go? I have my mother is in there, Nora Murphy, she's 100 years of age, they want to turf her out. On the same week, almost, that she got a, a letter of congratulations from the president, congratulating her on reaching 100. I get the call from um, the um, chairman of the board saying that they're closing the home. I feel terrified because I don't can't imagine moving her anywhere else. It's impossible to get into a home. There are, people, there are families in Cork and they buy the Echo at night or the Examiner every day. They go up the debt column. And if there's a debt in a nursing home... That phone was ringing for two weeks. The people, nurses, staff told me the same thing from the homes throughout the city and the county. So that they, this place could be full. They could fill this time ten, ten times over. Uh, my grandmother was um, a guest here 25 years ago and uh, received unbelievable care. And it was just, it's very sad to say, to think that it's actually going to be gone. Like it's unbelievable absolutely heartbreaking you can hear by the people speaking tonight especially um, Katrina absolutely horrible horrible that they could get away with it it's just not on even the local shop knows all the staff up there and they know they would know anybody's order like because if the staff go to get something for them they know who it is actually for so it's just like that it's a real family community 
place and just take a look at them at the window would that not melt your heart in bits that just makes us cry you know and we're going to walk away from here and we'll be back again next week but we're going to walk away with tears in our heart and what happens with the residents up here if, if there's a drug centre put in here which I think there will be put in here the price of their houses are going to drop and who's going to police the area no one and it's very unfair when you have the board that know what's going to happen and the dogs in the street know what's going to happen to this place and yet they tell us there's no plans for it why are they closing it I'm forcing a woman a hundred years of age out disgrace shouldn't be done it wouldn't be done anywhere else. As uh, one of the trainers said, they were to go, I think it was set up in Tipperary, a 25 uh, person nursing home, and Mihal Martin is going to keep it warm. Why isn't he up here tonight? He's a cockman and a Blackpool man. He should have been up here. And that, all he wanted to do is become Taoiseach and nothing else. Nothing else. No, just talk around that. Is going to be a methadone clinic and the likes of that. See the building just behind it? That's a secondary boys' school. The one just below it is a primary boys' school. St Vincent's is a girls' school. It's actually written there. And there's a baby school just behind it, a mixed children's school again. There's five schools. There's an old Guelga school just there. So it would take a real thick councillor or whoever is involved to put a methadone clinic in between five schools. Or a direct provision centre, or something where them kids are going to be watching what's going on. It's ridiculous, it's senseless. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then on top of that, you have this, this, we were told the other night, well I was told the other night, that there was a woman in her 90s crying into her dinner, saying, what are they going to do with us? I mean, that's Holocaust stuff. You wouldn't hear that in modern days at all. Crying into her dinner after going through a second world war. And then have to face this. She might be thrown out the bantry. She might be thrown to Mallow or maybe Bandon, where she knows nobody. I mean, for concern now is the, the, what we're hearing. You know, there is funding, there isn't funding. Uh, there is a demand, there isn't a demand. So again, it's just disappointing the lack of communication and disappointing that no one from the board is here tonight um, who would be privy to what is going on, who ultimately will have the final say. So, um, no member of the board has came in and sat down and spoke to those residents face to face to say we're closing unfortunately given any reasons as you've heard the reasons for closing has changed we were first told it was Cork City Council funding that was retracted then it was challenges from Covid and now the last letter given to families states financial so the board want to make up their mind what's the actual reason for closing Okay so a lot of ground covered there last night at the vigil thank you for that Seamus we'll pick it up after the break text 86 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Okay, in part of that Vox, one individual said that uh, the bishop knows what's going on. The bishop wants a drug centre. So we contacted the uh, bishop's office, Bishop Fintan Gavin's office, Bishop of Cork and Ross, and they say the diocese donated the land free of charge to Cara House at the time when it was being set up. The bishop has no claim over Cara House and nobody representing the church sits on the board. So they have absolutely no involvement on it. It was important to do that because somebody claimed uh, that there was uh, a diocesan involvement in it and that the bishop wanted a drug centre. Now, with regards to the uh, methadone clinic and the injection centre, if I've asked that question I've asked it once, I've asked it half a dozen times, and there is no plan whatsoever, they're saying. Mind you, 
You can never take anything as gospel anymore, can you? But there's no plan, they say, for a methadone clinic or an injection centre. But, I mean, I would be a lot more optimistic now than I was a week or 10 days ago because the HSC um, has come back now to Tommy Gould, uh, the Northside TD, and just one paragraph from the letter. In fairness to me, he has raised the issue. Uh, They've come back and said, we understand that the board is now exploring a range of options. Uh, We respect that position. We will offer any support we can to the board as they work to meet their obligations to the residents. Any appropriate support which you can provide will be made available to the board in maintaining the valuable services they provide for their community. Okay, so that's a, it's optimistic to hear that. Mind you, I don't know what when when they say the board is now exploring a range of options, but the local councillor for the area, Councillor Kenneth Flynn, wants the chairman and the board, the whole shooting gallery, uh, to resign. Kenneth, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? This I'm morning? good. Now, when you hear when you hear a vox like that, can I just maybe just recap? There's one elderly man who's not sleeping, he's not eating. There's the story of Nora Murphy, who's a hundred, gets congratulations from the president when she hit a hundred, and an eviction notice at the same time. Um, the dogs in the street, they say, know what will happen. Uh, there was another woman in her nineties described as crying into her dinner, saying, "Where are they going to put me?" And one gentleman refers to it as Holocaust stuff that elderly residents have been moved to places like Bantry, Mallow and Bandon. Your thoughts? Well, you know, when you hear it like that, Neil, it's it's quite shocking. It's, it's something that you kind of, it almost sounds like a horror movie rather than real life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's the reality of it, it you know? Um, I've met with the with some of the families. I've met with um, a lot of the employees at, um, at Mount Cara. I know Mount Cara hosts very well. I... I I used to do voluntary concerts for um, for, a, for a long time as well with some other opera singers and things like that at Christmas and, and Easter. There, it's a great community inside there, and I, mainly because everybody seems to know one another. You know, they're either from Blackpool, they're from Farnbury, they're from Grand. They're local they to their own community, which is so important. Them, you know, and you know, I, I don't know how many times I came out of Cara House and I'd pick up the phone, I'd ring my mother and say, "I met such and such a person who used to do her hair thirty years ago down at Blackpool, and you had their dress salon there." You know, I know. Um, I know, I know. You know They're the real life that stories. That, like you know, you, people would be as annoyed and angry about one elderly person as they would about fifteen. It like it's not the number really; it's just the sentiment behind it. Well, look, Neil. What I can't get my head around here is that you know, on I think I forwarded on the letters to to yourself and the team this morning. Uh, the original letter was at, on, on the sixteenth of July, which uh, claimed that it was due to COVID that they were had to close. Um, I've try to research as much as possible with the COVID committee in Leinster House. I see no communications whatsoever that is available uh, between uh, the board of management and the COVID committee. I, I don't know where the order was or who the order came from to close for COVID. First it was funding, know. then it was COVID, wasn't it? Well, I think it was COVID first. Okay. And on the 7th of August, it's listed now by their new acting chairman that it's a financial problem. So I, I don't know what's happened in the space of two but, or three but weeks. But the examiner this morning COVID says, COVID according COVID to the company accounts, hang on a second, the examiner this morning says, according to the company accounts for last year, um, the uh, Cara House saw a surplus, which means that after the accounts were done, they were in profit, €22,467. Euro. Um, there was an increase in our turnover between 2018 and 19 by 14.5%. Uh, that's a matter of public record. Sure, that bl- that blows uh, funding finance. out. Of, that blows finances out of the water. There, I mean, they've been finance, funded by. Finance. Who are they funded by? 
uh, City Council, HSE, and then the private funding. Bear in mind, it's not a HSE organisation. It is a it is a pri- it is a private enterprise. Even though the, some of the board board are voluntary, I know there's there's one member of the board being uh, receiving a, a payment. And has uh, either the HSE or Cork City Council um, threatened to withdraw funding? I've spoken to both uh, organisations, and no. So what's the problem? As, like? as, as, as you know, as you know as well as I do, the Hikwa report is excellent. Um, we can't contemplate what's going to happen in the future, and we can't look into a crystal ball. And nobody has the right to do that. I have to say, and last night I said it: if the board wants to stand aside and for a new board to go in to try and manage and rescue it, what I don't understand, Neil, is that uh, if they don't have cash, does compliant with the 2009 and 2016 uh, Charity Act uh, but you know there's no subcommittee for fundraising the same as there would be on Marymount that's never been done there are situations there where there is corporate governance questions I know that's not know, necessarily relevant r- right now well, I think it, but it, it, it is relevant actually Neil because if, if the corporate governance isn't right if it isn't right from the top down there's something seriously wrong like, you know it's good standards and practices to have a board member for five years not 30 two years. That's the reality of it. And what I would suggest now at this stage is that the board would be transparent, would open up their books, see how it can be saved, see how what can be done. If there was a problem with Cara House at one stage, uh, you know, with uh, the fact that it's only 25 bedrooms, the fact that they may not have all en suite. By the way, that hasn't been flagged in the in the HICWA report. But if there was a problem with it, that could have been addressed very, very quickly. Uh, and there was, I don't think any of the residents of the families had any issue with any of that. Like, can I, yeah, can, I, can I just say, because I have the letter from the HSE here, which says that Moncara House is run by an independent board of directors. And they say that board informed the HSE that it plans to close the facility. So it's not the HSE that the mooted HSE the closure, nor did City Council moot the closure. It's the board. So it, that's quite correct. And that's where I'm saying if the board are not up to managing the facility, and I believe the facility can be saved by, by an outsider looking in and being able to download the accounts, um, which is public knowledge, which is, out, which is out there. It's a downloadable for anyone that has 599 um, on SoloCheck or I think it's the name of the, the organisation there on the, on the web. You can download the accounts. You can see who's being paid. You can see wh- what they returned, where they returned. It's, a, it's, it's all written in the examiner. I think this morning I haven't seen the examiner yet. Just inside my um, in front of me, yeah. yeah. They yeah. go through the so returned the accounts for last year. They talk about the surplus of 22 and a half grand. They talk and about the funding. There was an increase of 124,000 in turnover. Okay. That's the reality. Uh, John Sheehan said to me that. yesterday on the air that they, I, I can't remember the exact words, but they're quite optimistic. He doesn't make any promises. But do you think that if the decision is reversed, it's because of public protest? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, it's the likes of Bill Dunley, yourself, in fairness. No, no, leave, leave me out of it. I'm talking about the people no, who no, went on the vigil. No, please don't. That, no. There was 250 people, probably about 250 people there last night. Um, that, you know, tried to practice as much social distancing as possible, in fairness. People that were upset, people that were former volunteers, people whose mums had been there, whose dads had been there, uh, the people that I met from the north side that had no affiliation and said, Ken, if it's a question of money, we can raise a couple of bobs for it, you know. Uh, there's been, from what I understand from talking to staff, there's been people knocking on the door saying, are you short of money? We can raise money, we can do something for you. That's the reality. That there is there is a huge demand from the general public to keep this open. But there's no and local the councillor on that board, is there? Uh, pardon, sorry. Is, is there any local councillor on that board? 
well, the only the John Sheehan is, is an elected member of, of City Council. I know, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, um, but the the people that are on that board, um, look, if they've lost the will to live or they feel that it's too hard a job, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to lend their expertise. Would you go on the board? Um, Neil, I'm on several boards already, but I'd have no problem going on the board. I'd have no problem going on the board. Um, because if you ask the board to resign or to stand aside, uh, you would have to be willing to step up. So, I, yeah, I'd have no problem doing it. I'd have no problem doing it. But equally, there's people out there that have affiliation to the house going back 30 years ago because their okay. grandmother was there, their mother yeah, was there, yeah. uh, uh, who, would, who have a range of expertise from accounting to, to legal um, to legal eagles. I spoke to people during the week who have no affiliation but know it well uh, and because their friend's mother was there and all this sort of yes, stuff, right. they were quite willing to help. Right. And there are people willing to help. Neil, you know, when I when I listen to the paragraph there, uh, HSE has, has supported, has always been supportive. There is no reason whatsoever that I can see that this building should be closed. Something but there is a question strange. of corporate governance here. It's extremely strange. It's a, extremely unusual. And uh, I would ask that the board would open up their books, open up their... You want to have a look at the books to see if there's well, something untoward going on, do you? Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to know who actually owns the building because the Bishop of Cork doesn't own the building. Oh. I assume that... The, 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 well, the, go and spend five ninety nine then and download well, it. I, I, I have, and I have somebody working on it at the moment. Um, well, I, if I, you I can come back I, and I, see if there are any holes that need plugging, do let yeah. me know. Well, I don't think... I, uh, looking at it from my point of view, and I've been in business all my life. It's a healthy organisation, and it's it's running very well. So I don't. Is know it prime residential land, as one person is suggesting here? Paddy says Cara House is prime residential land at present market value. It could sell for excess of two point eight million euro. Maybe look at who would benefit from that sale. Well, there's always the question of who benefits, and that's why I'm asking for the board to stand okay. aside and to leave a new board going. Okay. Because this is about people's lives, Neil. This is about the quality of life, and you know to be to be told at eighty and ninety years of age and a hundred years of age, we're go- you're going to be made homeless. And in particular, I can tell you now. And Paddy O'Brien, I think, was on the box pop there there a moment ago. I cannot get people into residential homes at the moment. I could fill that home five times over with just the list that's on my desk at the moment. People waiting on, on, on homes. And there's no exaggeration but that people do ring me in the morning and they say, Ken, such and such a person died in Ballyno. Is there any chance you could get my mother in there? Is there any chance you could get my father in? Mm. That is, that do is, you ever um, have any success doing that? Um, have I had success getting people in homes? Yeah. I, I'd love to say I have. I, know, I, I think they see my number now coming up in Ballyno and various Dartmouth. They said, Jesus, don't let them him at all. <laughs> but, but oh, God loves the, the trier. God loves. You've heard nothing about, uh, about a methadone clinic or an injection centre, no? I haven't, but I'll be honest with you, Neil, I said it to people last night. Every time something closes and or something like that happens, I you know the word methadone clinic and injection centres come up, and you know it's one of those kind of urban myths. I I, I don't know I don't know for a fact, but I've heard nothing and I've seen okay. nothing concrete, okay. and I've I've written off and I've looked for information from HSC and there's nothing concrete. Uh, well, I've done the same, and uh, David Lane has come back and said categorically that he's not interested in it. He never was. He was never offered it, and he never approached them. 
Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. All right. Okay. There's another vigil Stop, next week, 7 o'clock. Do stay in touch, particularly if you see anything in the statement of accounts. Thanks for now, Ken. Cheers. God bless. Bye-bye. Ken Lines open at one 104 106 I see some texts on that and lots more besides after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, that's very, very sad. An elderly man not sleeping and also uh, lost his appetite as well with worry. And of course, the story of Nora Murphy at the age of 100. Um, and there are no places in nursing homes. Kenneth Flynn is right when he says that. Um, Michal Martin should intervene like he did up in the Midlands with another small uh, nursing home, other people were saying in the Vox. And the woman in her 90s who cries regularly and worries about what's going to happen. Uh, and also the issue of uh, where, if they were to go, and hopefully that won't happen, where would they go? They'd be far from the communities in which they were born and reared and reared families. They could be in places like Bantry, uh, Mallow, Bandon and areas like that long from home. Now, I will come back to that. And remember, there's another vigil. And if there are updates in this regard, I'd love to get this one on across the line and reversed and everybody just to be left alone in peace uh, with their lives. And that's what's really important here. So we'll keep an eye on this one. And of course, there is another vigil next Wednesday, seven o'clock on Redemption Road. And that vigil will continue on a weekly basis. So well done to every single person who was there. Now, do you remember I mentioned there just, uh, and I mentioned it yesterday as well, and again, uh, just out of the nine o'clock news there with regards to um, the parting in Skull. Uh, some text on that. As a local resident living in Skull all my life, I'm extremely upset and annoyed that the holiday makers are complaining on your show that it's the locals, locals parting in Club Piero. Do you remember that from yesterday's programme? A little bit of confusion because at no stage that I say it was the locals, it's clearly related to people who are coming into Skull and usually might use Skull on a, on, a, on a summer basis, but are there maybe a lot longer, have many, many teenage kids or 20-somethings down there. Uh, maybe there's an element of locals joining up and joining into the parting. I don't know. But uh, I've been sent some videos, actually. Now, unfortunately, I don't have time right now because Lily was getting these videos as it was coming on uh, just out of the ad break there, and I tried to have a quick look at them. But this obviously is a video from the pier in Skull that was taken the morning after a right heavy party the night before and the place is absolutely destroyed and I mean it this video runs for two minutes and it's a walk around the pier and all of the adjacent areas to the pier and the tables and the benches and everything and it's just littered littered with bottles cans um, you know empty boxes that would have had 12 packs and 24 packs Heineken 6 packs um, plastic um, clothing food, food wrapping, total waste. And what's worse, if it could be worse, is that when they were parting, they just didn't leave all of their junk around the pier area. They turfed an awful lot of it or they were down on the gravelly beach area below the wall of the pier. So that's destroyed as well. I have no idea who's going to have to clean this up. It could well be the local residents. It could well be the county council. But I believe that it is a daily and a nightly occurrence there. Um, a lot of these characters, of course, would be overseas on holidays at this time. Anyway, enough of me. Councillor Danny Collins joins me by phone. Danny, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? I did not think it would be as bad as the video I've seen. It's horrendous. It's, yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah, but you call it look basically this year, especially like this has been going on for years down in Skull um, Club Piero, Piero, as they call it. But um. Um, but this year, especially now, it's like, you know, your pubs closed and nowhere to go. And this is just a, a local social area where, where there's large congregations of um, youths mainly, what you call it, from all over the country. And look, there could be a few locals as well, like, but like, 
you know, they're bringing their beer and partying down there all hours of the morning, night, night and morning. Would it be acceptable, for instance, do you think, if they were to take all of their junk away? Well, yeah, well, like, like, what you call it? Look, this is um, upsetting a lot of residents, like, you know, noise and music and whatnot. And plus, you, you have a very successful hotel down there that is full now at the moment, like, you know, and like, you know, it's this, 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 this really shouldn't be going on. Like, and like, it's no help to have our bars closed. And like, basically, I, I can see the huge um, problem, which because they have nowhere to go. Like, this is happening. This is in Skull alone. Like, this is happening all over West Cork. Like, there's parties going on. Like, you know. Yes, I got reports coming in this morning from the Kinsale area, but I haven't any videos to back it up. But well, uh, like, I, I know different towns and villages around where, there, where there's parties and large gatherings happening. And, like this is what's happening now with our our pubs closed and basically look, our our youth they want to meet up and they are like and but still like they're bringing their beer or whatnot. There's no um real kind of um law and order there and basically look you know when a few drinks come on board, you know this is what's happening. But there's fellas, like, there's fellas in the, one of the videos here vomiting in public. Another guy racing through the town on a tractor. They look demented. I'd say there's a lot more than just drink going on there, but. There could be yes, Neil. That's what you call it. Like that's that's happening a lot in, throughout the country. What you call it, where there's illegal substances being used and whatnot. And it's who, clean, who cleans who cleans that up? Council. What you call it, and I, I'd like to thank our local council staff down our local council um, workers down there in Skull. What you call it, who are on top of us every every morning. Is the ba- is there is there too? They, they say that on a regular night there could be up to four hundred plus. Is there too many for the guards to do anything about? The guards are doing their best they can. Basically, what you call it, they don't have the manpower to 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 to, to deal with it either. Like basically, they're calling down there. They're trying to disperse them, but basically, look, it's happening over and over again. But like they're doing their best. But like as I'm saying, they don't have the manpower. Did I hear as well that some tourists who are down there with families are beginning to leave the area, the hotels, the B and Bs, and just getting out I of there? Have, I have. I have. In the past week, I have gotten an email. Uh, to that um, from the hotel there basically what you call it that residents are very unhappy with the noise and whatnot. so like this is not, this is not it's not good for Skull it's not giving you a good picture for Skull but still look Skull is a great place to come to and this is a small thing that happens I know it only happens maybe for these two or three weeks like it's known as Cavs week whatever but like um, look um, I don't know is it very, do we need more guards on the, on, on the beach to get to get it sorted where are they all staying though I'm just curious Danny where like are they renting or what there, there isn't a bed to be got in Skull Neil there isn't like they could be camping they could be staying B&B's Airbnb's whatever or their houses rent or whatever a lot of all the houses down there like that are just summer houses like you know to, to stay during the summer like and like, but um, basically, look, this is going on. All right, real, but this is the worst year ever, as yeah. as you know. Like, you know, there's a lot of people staycating, and um, there is, and a lot of these would be overseas on different holidays. But th- there's a COVID aspect to this as well. They're all up on top of each other, aren't they? Yes, there's a COVID aspect. That's the big thing. Like, and look again, as I state, what you call it? I I I can't. Like, I feel sorry for the youth because, like, as I say again, they have nowhere to go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you had a three or four bars in, in, the, in the village of Skull open like it, it'd be somewhere else to go for them to go like you know what I mean in a, in a controlled area basically you're a Republican out of Bantry aren't you yourself yeah. you, you're yes, clo- are you closed I'm closed at the moment yes you don't do food I'm, I'll be quite honest I'm thinking about opening this weekend I've got a pizza machine in and um, I'm going doing other meals as well like lasagna such a side salad but I, I used to do food before 
we'd say sandwiches, cold plate salads, wraps, but um, not in this kind of, I only do it, we'd say from 12 o'clock to 4 every day. Yeah. And now I'm going, just to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm starting from this evening onwards. Why? See, see, basically, Neil, I don't know where I stand in the, uh, 15 to September, my mortgage is up, like, and I don't know where I stand with the, with the banks. And I have to, I have to start somewhere and start thinking. But like, as I, I spoke to my accountant, they said to me, like, most of my, 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 my uh, customers would be drinking customers. Like, I can't, I can't see them, you know, coming in. We'd say come September, October, uh, you know, for something to eat and 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 to, to, to drink. But look, I have to try something. Um, it's very busy around Bantry at the moment. Um, it's nearly impossible to get somewhere to eat. And what you call it? So I said I'll give it a go for a few weeks and see how it goes. All the best with that. All the best yeah. with that. Of course, Very with with, 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 with many of the yeah, yeah, no, with the let's say. I mean, I understand you are right in fairness here that that young people need to be able to party and have fun. I understand all of that, and primarily, you know, at the, during the summer. But um, when they go back to school and secondary school and college in a couple of weeks' time, and one or two of them is positive, there could be mayhem. There'll be mayhem. What you call it? Um, look. Colleges, yes, what you call it, basically. Um, I know maybe, like, they're saying is it with the colleges, like, they mightn't have to go back for full-time, like, only two, three days a week. But, look, we, we, it's, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. Like, like we got a, an email from the VFI yesterday evening, and, like, um, they were stating, like, that they can't see the pubs. Just, they're very... They're, they can't see the pubs opening at the end of August. So, basically, we don't know where we stand. Our government have left us down, basically. I've been saying that from day one. They've treated us like that. We're irresponsible people that we can't run our business in a responsible way. And like every other business is open and doing the best they can. And we see the pubs that are serving food at the moment. They're doing great work. They're, they're, they're going by the guidelines. And that's all we've asked from day one, the witness have, is give us the guidelines, let us deal with them, and let the guards check on us. And if we're not dealing with I know, them, so. I know, but you see, then if that were to happen, one might say that all of this parting that we're seeing on the pier would be happening indoors in big pubs. At least they're doing it outdoors, and it might be a little bit safer. Yes, but like as I as I said to you, what you call it, like give give the public in the guidelines, let him deal with them, and like if he's not running his his, his premises properly, close them down. Yeah, that's yeah. basically it. Yeah, like what you call it, like give him, what you call it, like if people like they're saying people have to sit and um, eat at the moment, let people sit and drink at the moment on a social distance um, manner and let us deal with them. Okay, okay, okay. Good luck with the reopening of your own bar tonight okay. then. Fair Thank play you. To you. Thank you, Danny. Councillor Danny Collins out of uh, West Cork. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero. I have lots on pubs actually, which we will come back to and obviously an awful lot on um, on COVID and things like that. Just on the subject of COVID, my mother was taken by ambulance to the Mercy on Monday due to severe respiratory issues. She was isolated and treated as a COVID case, but she was told that they are not testing for COVID in the hospital. They also uh, said she would have to contact her GP when she was discharged to organise her own test. I think that's absolutely crazy. Um, and there's a lot then on the outbreak on the north side. The particular story of one guy who returned from overseas. He went overseas with a bunch of his mates, apparently, to, um, it might have been like somewhere like Santa Panza, I'm not 100% sure, uh, and uh, came back then and apparently went to a house party in Nakhnehini at the weekend, having just returned. Um, and that's why there were, seems to have been issues with regards to an outbreak of COVID-19 
uh, on the north side. And then the other story, which is unrelated to that, is the guy who was in Madeleine's pub that led to the pub being closed down. Uh, morning, saw someone in a gym in the city that was just back from Ibiza uh, at the weekend, just back from Ibiza. Uh, it's not fair on all of us who have lost money on holidays, who are abiding by all of the rules. We'll be back in lockdown again because of all of this sooner or later. Um, somebody wondering what was the name of the company that do, did the deep cleaning in Madelaise. There are a number of different companies that go in and do it. God damn it, I actually had a company on the air some weeks back that do uh, deep cleaning of premises, not just pubs or restaurants, but the two offices and businesses as well. I'll track that, I'll track that name down and get it on air. They're a core company. They also, I noticed actually that a deep cleaning unit or a sanitation unit that they installed at Anglesey Street Guard Station. So they're quite busy. Uh, back in a minute. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And then the incredible amount of rubbish and litter and mess and junk that was left up in the Bell's Field. I dealt with that on Tuesday. I heard you mention the article in the Echo about the litter in Bell's Field. I'm also a resident in the area. Perhaps you could contact City Hall and find out why the damn litter bins are not emptied at the weekends, like the parks on the south side. The majority of the litter is from people sitting in the park and it is not domestic refuse. How come we have only two bins here while the lock has ten? The Northsiders pay our taxes too for council services. We're totally let down. You have an excellent point there because sometimes when those bins are full, of course, people just leave all of their stuff to the side of the bin and that can get kicked around then, torn apart by crows, which are powerful devils at the best of the time. And of course, that leads to littering. But it's not only people you know, who leave it near bins. Others just leave it wherever they were and they just throw it all over the place. So lots on that as well. Very supportive of all of the COVID measures, but we have to be realistic when talking about eradicating this virus. I'm a veterinarian and controlling vital outbreaks, viral outbreaks, I think, uh, in dense populations of animals. It's the biggest part. Even in a completely controlled circumstances, it doesn't avoid the virus's spreading. We need to use common sense and accept that it's here to stay. We will go through periods in which hygiene, testing and treatment will lead to a control situation. Uh, Last but not least, the virus will develop towards being less lethal and damaging. And it will just become a normal part of our environment, says Henk, who is a veterinarian, saying this is always going to be with us. And I suppose you'd also agree that once there's a vaccine, everything will then change. Just a couple of fast ones then on Club Piero, as they call it. Kids need somewhere to socialise. They must just be educated about the rubbish, but they need to be left alone. They need to have a life. What kind of educating do you need? Like, it's common sense. It's almost in your DNA, isn't it? That you don't, you know, leave no trace. Particularly the younger generation who go on so much about global warming and climate change and everything. Uh, Maybe when the drink and the drugs are in, it makes a difference, though. A guard car posted at the entrance to the pier, turning people away, would do it. Stop the crowd gathering in the first place. Surely the guardy are not that badly stuck for numbers that they can't spare a car. You'd want to see people having a good time on the pier, though, wouldn't you? You'd like to see people hanging out, having a couple of beers and a burger or fish and chips or having a party or, you know, listening to music safely. You know, like, you don't want martial law either. You just don't want to be seeing these videos of the morning after. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. That's a nice old story, isn't it? Coming out of uh, the uh, the Presbytery, the St. Benedict, sorry, I should say Priory, the St. Benedict's Priory in Cove. They had um, wheelbarrows of apples. You heard it in the news there at uh, 10 o'clock, stolen from the nuns. And then the OPW uh, delivered uh, some apples to them uh, as a bit of a consolation prize, I suppose. It's a lovely story. Um, it's even nicer because, uh, you know, 
It's interesting, the nuns are making chutney. Um, like if you had all of those apples, it'd be an awful lot more uh, um, maybe financially beneficial if they made cider. <laughs> maybe a brand of nuns cider, like St. Benedict's cider. I'd say it would really catch on. Um, did anybody go slogging apples? I certainly did. It's a damn good hand at it too. It's part of growing up really, isn't it? Slogging apples. I think, you know, you know, making off with uh, wheelbarrows of it is a different league entirely. But it also reminded me that the nuns make chutney. Do you ever like have people who have lots of, uh, they might have, you know, lots of strawberries or they might have uh, lots of rhubarb and they make all sorts of jams and then they put them in jars, right? Or they make loads of different chutneys and then they're trying to give it all away, you know? Loads of it. Sometimes it's marmalade, sometimes it's jam, sometimes it's chutney, sometimes it's pickles. They have so much of it. <laughs> I came across somebody recently who um, uh, makes a uh, particular type of jam, but they're allergic to jam. <laughs> so they make it, don't eat it, and then they've got to get rid of it all. Anyway, that's just a by the way. Oh, and I just mentioned that story earlier on of the uh, body of a man found in uh, the city yesterday morning. Uh, the guards, there's an update on that. The guards said that they are result, waiting on a result of a post-mortem examination of that man's body. He was found yesterday morning at the entrance there by Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. That lane there, the Merchant's Key and, and Parnell Place, half past 11, a 35-year-old man um, found dead. The guards say the man who availed of homeless services in the city may have been dead at the scene for a number of days. Isn't that very sad? There's a forensic investigation carried out at the scene as well. Gardis say the result of the course of the, will determine the course of investigation, but the man uh, who was found dead, as I say, um, had injuries to his body. So that's um, something that the Gardis are taking very, very seriously, obviously. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. And a lot of these topics I'll be jumping in and out of throughout the course of the morning, so your uh, contributions are welcome, as always. Uh, so let me get back to, the, let me get back to um, the phone lines and get stuck in. This, again, has more to do with um, Karen's call yesterday, how you can lose an awful lot of weight and then keep it off during COVID. Gráinne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How and, are you? I'm good. And for you, it was 40 kilos. Yeah, well, obviously, I didn't do that in lockdown. But no, but you <laughs> managed to bit... keep it off in lockdown, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and a, and a bit more. I I was just, I got over, I got about over five and a half stone just before the lockdown. And we were very fortunate that the, the group I'm with, the similar group I'm with, they agreed to run it virtually. So nobody had to give up, you know, nobody had to quit. And you lost another half a stone during it? Yeah, I'm up to six. I'm kind of between six and six and a half now at the moment. So I'd be hoping to get six and a half. I think there's fierce credit to anybody whose life was turned (laughs) upside down and didn't put on weight. I know, I know. And I have three small kids, you know, two of whom are in primary school and were suddenly under my feet all day, every day. And, you know, they're constantly eating and they're constantly looking for food and constantly looking for stuff to keep them occupied. And you'd also be be picking an awful lot more and eating at more irregular times and everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, our only saving grace is my husband. They were considered essential workers. So his work routine continued, if you know what I mean. So we didn't have that disruption of all of us being here all the time. So that little bit of routine, I think, personally, is what saved us, you know. It's what saved me anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, that's an incredible weight loss, six stone. Yeah. I mean, you, clearly, yeah, you, you, clearly yeah, you had six stone to lose. 
I needed it though I needed to do it and I needed to do it for myself and I needed to do it for my family and you know I just needed one little push to get me in the door of somewhere that would <laughs> that would help you know and, and what was the, what was the trigger when did you have enough carrying of that weight around was it like a- um yeah when my son started my small son he's only two now but when he kind of starts to get up and move around and I kind of thought no I'm not doing this again I'm not running around after a third one with two more to keep up with carrying all of this I'm just not doing it and I kind of felt I owed myself more and I could do better for, for them as well as for myself. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's not just a decision I undertook for myself. And yeah. my husband always says, do it for yourself. Don't do it for anyone else. Do and you failed yourself. on oh. numerous occasions. Absolutely. I mean, you try things at home. You say, right, I'm going to be good now for a few days. And then because you've been good, you think, ah, sure, I deserve a treat now. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're down in the supermarket clearing out the counter. You know, it's, <laughs> it's stuff like that. And you need, I think you need, it's very hard to do it on your own. You need the support, you know. You and really do. Well, I did anyway. Do you mind me asking what Absolutely. you were weighing in at before? Um, somewhere around 18 stone. And you're what, 12 now? Yeah. Yeah, in and around... Yeah. So a complete new wardrobe as well as everything else? Yeah. <laughs> now, luckily, I'd had some clothes in the wardrobe from when I was a bit smaller. So <laughs> they're still in fashion, are they? Back. Yeah, oh, they were. They were just combats and jeans and kind of pants like that and, and T-shirts and that. So thankfully, I was able to pull them back out. But, you know, we convince ourselves so much that we can't do these things. And that was my problem. So what's the point? I, I'm just going to put it back on. What's the point? But you can do it. You absolutely can do it. You know, we need to change the conversations we have in our heads instead of convincing ourselves that we can't do things. Oh, yeah, but there's a lot of determination and willpower involved as well. There really is. There is, is, there is. And to stay at it, and that was the one promise I made to myself. I said, if I start this, I'm not taking the foot off the pedal. I'm just not. It's not worth it. And you'd be kicking yourself. You know, you'd be absolutely kicking yourself for, for, for getting that far and then not, you know, and then just going, ah, you know, that's, I mean, I don't have the statistic, but the vast majority of diets fail. That's the thing. They do. They do. They do. And I mean, I just found that particular plan that Simon World have works for me. You can have your pasta, you can have your rice, you can have your proper dinners and, you know, there's no sort of, you there's so much stuff you don't have to weigh or measure or anything, and with a very busy house, that works for me. You, you never know? you're never yeah. hungry, no. No, not if you don't want to be. There's what no you, reason to. Have, have you eaten you today? Know? Have you eaten yet? I have a big bowl of fruit with a yogurt over it now, ready to go in front of me, and I had a coffee and a banana when I came downstairs <laughs> this morning. You're a saint. You know, like I mean, I have a busy house. I have three dogs. I have three kids. I have a husband coming and going with shift work. This house is never calm. It's never quiet under there, honestly. So, if I, so you, you have know. a bowl of fruit with yogurt, and if I were to offer you yeah. maybe a toasted bagel with a couple of rashers and melted cheese upon it, which would you go for? But you can have that. You can, you can <laughs> absolutely <laughs> have that. You can. You have your whole meal. You know the slim bagels? Yeah. You can have your whole meal one of them. Take the fat off the rashers. <laughs> There's a cheese allowance there for you every day. Ah, you, you have an answer for everything. Go on. You have an yeah, answer for but you can. But you actually can. This I is believe the beauty you. of it. I believe and that's you. why it works. But that is why it worked for me. I really do get... believe it because I didn't have to buy a load of different food okay, for everybody. So how long did it take you to lose six stone? 
since April of last year. In 12 months, just over 12 yeah, months. Yeah, I'm, I'm up to something like £85 pounds in total now or something. I think when all is said and done, it'll be about 46 kgs. So what's your target you know? then? Is your target a 10 stone or something? Yeah, like I want to kind of, but I want something I can maintain. There's no point in me. I was never a sick insect and I'm never going to be, you know. And I don't want to be because I don't <laughs> think it would suit me, you know. <laughs> And I think that's where I'm going to be. I, I want to kind of wait and see where I feel so if, comfortable. Like if you get down to 10 stone, there'll be two different sets of the community. One would be I saying, know. oh my God, she looks fantastic. And others would be saying, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, Gráinne, I'm sure Gráinne is sick. I'm sure Gráinne is sick. You've gone too far. But that's the problem, you see. And I don't want that. I don't want people who I know walking past me going, she looks a bit like, what is it? You know, I don't want... That I think it's a bit like meeting the love of your life, Neil. Which thankfully I'm very glad to have done. You'll know when you when you get there. <laughs> You'll know it when it arrives, and I think I'll know where I want to be when I get to it. Right. And I'm very fluid about that. You where know, did you just just a, just a, as a by the way and congratulations? Yeah. Where did you meet the love of your life? I met him in um, Fota when it was the Sheraton. Met him it in was the hotel. The yeah, it was the opening of a spa evening. I was up there. Um, it was a work. The work got invites and stuff. And he was up there with a friend of his. And who approached who you? I knew. I knew, but I knew him for years because he had lived up the road from me. I had. Kn- I knew him to see him, and I knew him to chat to him if you met him out or whatever. But and we had kind of been friendly all along. So why, so if you knew him no- for years and you've been chatting with him for years, why didn't you realize years earlier he was the love of your life? Well, I did, Neil, but he wasn't available to me at the time. Oh, you were waiting in the long grass. Sorry. I was, I was, I was. I was I'll have that. In the long grass, playing the long game, playing the long game. Right. But, uh, a bit like what I'm doing now, playing the long game. And it's, by God, it was worth it then. I think it's going to be worth it now. Too. Well done, girl. Stay in touch. All right, well done. Congratulations. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. Bye, Gron. You're back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. All right, it's interesting. You know, you talk about food and the things that we eat. There was an article there earlier in the week as to what belongs in the fridge and what belongs in the cupboard. And I'll touch base with that one because uh, apparently we get an awful lot of those things confused and mixed up as to what should be in the fridge and what should be in a dark, cool place or what should be kept out of the fridge. So more on that uh, throughout the course of the morning. Um, To Amanda, who was wondering whether or not she should report her neighbours who have just come back from a foreign holiday. Uh, Stephen says, I think uh, she should think about it before she decides to do anything. If Amanda does tell on them, then she could cost them both their jobs. And that indeed could cost them their home. Who knows? Also, can I say, whistleblowers are always found out. People always find out, um, you know, people always find out in the end. The whistleblower is not a loyal person and they may not have their backs in the future. Sorry, that doesn't make much sense. But is she prepared to make an enemy for life which may affect her whole family? Um, you can bet the first thing she does slightly wrong will then be reported. I think what Stephen's talking about there is, is, is karma more than anything else. Quite a lot of text then with regards to stop and search. And I got clarification from that yesterday from Garda Press saying that um, the Garda should not, well, they didn't say it, I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, it is not permissible for a guard to ask somebody to stop to uh, pull down their trousers. Um, how successful is random searches and how much have they found I also wonder how many convictions have come from it. I'll bet a very small amount. Yeah, I mean, very often the person has nothing on them and they're just allowed to 
go on their merry way, um, you know, after the damage has been done. Just about the north side and being stopped by the guards. I'm living in the north side all my life. I'm 35 years old. I have never been stopped and searched by a guard. I'm living in Holly Hill most of my life and I see guards on a daily basis. I was never stopped. So it's not everyone on the north side that's getting stopped, like your caller said. One final one for now. My 17-year-old son was stripped, searched at the age of 15. We got a call to the guard station as he was a juvenile because they didn't believe that he had nothing on him. They said they'd have to strip search him. I begged him to own up if he had something in front of the guardee, but he assured me he had to, he had not touched anything and had nothing. He was grey with terror at this stage. The guard said he still didn't believe him. He was brought into a cell with my husband and made pull his boxers down. I could hear the cop saying, further down, further down, spread your legs. Nothing. They found nothing. He then spoke to me about keeping him away from different areas as he could easily be led on and he went through signs of what to look out for. We were in a total daze when it was all happening but it was one of the biggest regrets of our lives that we didn't put a stop to it and this was in a North Cork town. So thank you for that text. Obviously very worrying and upsetting for you and your son who did absolutely nothing wrong. But at least, not that it's right, I'm not saying that it's right, but at least he was brought to a guard station. And that's the protocol. That's what they are supposed to do. So I'll come back to more of those throughout the course of the morning. Morris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. OK, you wanted to pick up on um, on weight gain, is it? Absolutely. Um, I think we've got a very serious obesity problem in this country. And it's it, it, we're developing the, the, the culture that, that America now has a, you know, a public health crisis regarding obesity. You might have seen the uh, Dr. Noah Zardin, uh, a series there on Quest where you had people who were you know chronically obese and in, in terrible uh, medical trouble. Yeah. I, I think many of them actually died uh, from their weight. So it, it's certainly it's not a laughing matter. We were in very serious trouble. And regarding. obesity had a, a very important role to play in people who were getting sick from COVID as well. You know, some of those that died also were overweight, sadly. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I think I think we've we have a, the growth in this country of the fast food cultures, like and you know the the chicken nuggets and the French fries and the, the, the hamburgers and the double whammies and all the rest of it. And I think it's killing us bit by bit. Also, we're being assaulted by sugars like a sulfame there, no, and aspartame. You might see cans that 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 say there is no sugar in, in in a can of soda, but like a sulfame and aspartame are actually sugars, so they're actually lying to us. Uh, about what's what's in our food, and of course, what we're doing, it seems to be eating very fatty, very sugary foods, and, and they're really killing us, Neil. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right with regards to eating too much rubbish and too much junk, and not eating enough organic. But sometimes the better stuff is a lot more expensive, and people can't afford it. Well, I, I, I think first and foremost, like people have to, to have to know about food. Like, I mean, I mean, and and the kind of calories. That are inside in food, like I mean, to be going there, soft drinks today, you know, is absolutely lethal for children. It'll rot the teeth out of their heads. Um, it's the sugar problem. The sugar problem is making people eat. That's what people don't understand about dieting. Sugar is a real enemy because what it does is it pushes up the pushes up the blood sugars. You feel very good, and then the pancreas just pushes the sugar out of the body. The, the, the blood sugars go way down. You feel weak and you feel tired, and you're eating again and eating again and eating again. And they're refining all these sugars. So you're eating more and more and more and more. So if people really want a successful diet, they really have to pull the sugar out, out, out of their system before. But before more, more people are changing their lifestyle, though. I mean, if you heard Gráinne's story a while ago, and we had more yesterday, uh, you know, people are actively changing their food patterns and you know, trying at least to lose weight. 
Well, well, adults can do that. Ch- children, for instance, who are brought along every Sunday, and of course, just a little bit controversial. You know, ch- you know, children who are brought along to the likes of KFC and McDonald's and Pizza Hut on, on a Sunday to, to pour grease into their stomach, like I mean, and get their children going on very fatty diets. But isn't the, even that okay exceptionally? Not, not, not a habit that would happen, you know, a couple of times a week or anything. But from time to time, those kind of treats are fine. I don't think they are, and I think they're dangerous, and I think uh, people will be very careful now what, what, what they give their children uh, regarding sugars and fats because we have a, a, a public epidemic in, in weight gain in this country, and it is killing people. It really, really is killing people. I mean, to, to look at, at the problem America has at the moment, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a national emergency uh, that, that, that they have. And we're heading down the same road in, in this country. We're heading down exactly the same road, eating and eating and eating for comfort, eating because we're bored and the quality of our food, like, it's just going way down. Do you ever look at a photograph, the photographs from 50 years ago, and even if you want to go back 100 years ago, everybody, by and large, was fairly regular weight, even thin. Yeah, well, let's see, the, the way they're producing food to, to, today and, and our type of lifestyle is totally different. Um, you know, foods today are packed full of additives. Like, I mean, they're, they're stripped of all natural substances, really, and they're, and they're reprocessed and reprocessed. You've got this terrible um, ingredient at the moment called high fructose corn syrup. Now, that's the most popular plant at the moment with, with farmers because it can be changed into just about, just about everything. It like what? What would it. corn syrup end up as? Um, it would end up in soft drinks. Um, it would end up in your in your cola. It, it would end up, end up there. It could end up in a, in a myriad of other other types of products as well. Um, to, to to it's a, it's ultimately a sweet a sweet crop. Like and it, it, what it does is it, it, it just it, it tampers with the the blood sugars in the body. You see, I imagine and, there are people screaming and roaring now, saying, you know, everything in moderation. We should all lighten up. Well, lightening up is one thing, but if you're gaining massive amounts of weight, no, we're not that active. It has to be said, our vehicle dependency is a problem, and we're not that active. But like, I mean, you know, some of these foods are, like, are absolutely packed with refined sugars, like, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of calories inside of these things, like, and it, it, the weight gain is 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 just. So, if you would your way, would you close down all fast food and ban all drive-throughs and things like that? Actually, I would, unless they're prepared to offer offer a, 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 a healthy diet as well as the fast food stuff. All this yellow food, there, there's this kind of parallel between eating yellow food, you know, cheeses, pastas, uh, french fries, all yellow, like, and, uh, you know, you, you see it there, like, pouring it into their into their mouths, and it's not good for them, Neil, and it's not filling anyway, it's not nourishing. It's sad to see an overweight child, it is, because that's going to be a struggle for life, yeah, I know. No. We have an epidemic. This, this is. I, I can tell you, like this, this is a huge epidemic in in this country. And doctors, like you know, get giving out pills, to, you know, the anti-apodized pills and what have you. Like it, it's becoming. But see, it's the American culture. You know, the vehicle dependency, uh, the lazy lifestyle, supersizing. Um, yeah, yeah, the supersizing. Neil, bang on there, right? The super, the supersizing. Where they go in, they go into these these, these bloody fast food outlets, and they they say you can you can get more coke for a little bit more. We're not. You know, it's just going to be a little bit more, but you can get this big super size. You can pour your body full of sugar. I know, but if you close down McDonald's, you would bankrupt and, and and close down the Irish meat industry. Yeah, farmers' interest, Neil. Farmers' interest. They see the the, the pubs as well, uh, who sold food. Um, they they were kept open compared to the pubs that didn't sell food. So you got special interests going on. But I think the the most important interests are our health. But those, but of course, economics comes before everything. 
But I, I mean, if you if you if you look at America's crisis at the moment, I, we're heading down the same road. No, I know, road but I mean, I mean, I don't be picking holes. Maybe I am, but I see more. I see more people cycling now than ever before. I see more people running than ever before. I see more people. Um, you know, exercising, joining gyms. I really do like, I mean, there are gyms everywhere now. Well, um, so maybe there's two parallel worlds going on. Those that want a better life, a healthier life, and those that don't. Well, exercise, if you're using exercise solely to keep... Don't you see more people cycling and jogging? Um, I, I, I suppose, I suppose you do, but that, that doesn't mean to say we have, a, we, we've got a health crisis. If you're using exercises to keep down your weight, you still have a problem with food. Like, I mean, it should be possible to keep down your weight without actually exercising that much. Um, ah, that, yeah, but I mean, you I, need to you need to get your heart going now. In fairness, and you need to get your muscles going, and you need to keep the pressure on. Like that's important, you know, if you want to stay I, toned and healthy. Well, well, to, to stay healthy, eat the right foods, keep your calories down, take a little bit of it, take, take 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 as much exercise as you need, and not too much. I mean, too much exercise is counterproductive, and people can get very hurt that way. And a lot of people are overdoing it at the gyms. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're really pushing themselves and they're doing more harm than good. And what actually happens in the end is their appetite begins to soar. What they have is temporary weight loss. Oh, I, actually, that raises another issue, which I may come back to another time. I do know instructors who tell me that they often watch people or see videos of people lifting weights, pushing weights. They're lifting them all wrong and they cringe looking at them because they're saying they're going to do serious damage to their skeletal structure the way they're, the undisciplined way they're doing their weights. So that's for another day, but you are right in that regard. You can get injured in the gym. You, you, you can get injured in the gym and you can just do too much. You can wear out your body and there, there's a very strong link between getting, getting viruses and getting the flus and, and wearing yourself down. You can actually really wear yourself down. Right. And, okay. of co- and, of co- and of course, of course, what it will do is all, it will also make, make you actually eat more in the end. When your body comes to the end of it and it's emaciated from all the, all the training, it, you'll actually start a big binge again and start eating. So you really have to watch the calories, watch the, the quality of your food and be, you know, be, be, be sensible and keep the hell out of these fast food joints. All right, listen, there's food for thought for people. We'll get their thoughts on it. Thanks as always, Morris. Text 086-8104-106. Having said that, all credit due to those that have lost weight and kept it off over COVID. Can I go down to Skull if you don't mind again? Jason, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, well, we're up here in the city and I can only look at videos and hear stories of the carry-on down there. How bad is it, or do you think it's a problem at all down there, Club Piero and all this stuff? Well, you know, what what I see is the young people um, taking the initiative to create a, a social gathering of their own. And, you know, as far as litter, that, of course that's a problem. And um, I think that uh, that problem could be overcome and that at these dark times that young people should be able to gather and meet um, out on, the, on a breezy pair on a Friday night or a Saturday night or whatever it is, that they should be allowed to do that since everybody's gone through a lockdown and we're living in these strange times. Things have to be a little bit different. Yeah, but have you seen the, the, the activity down there? I've seen the activity. No, I haven't seen it the next morning or anything like that. But I, I've seen it there in an evening time driving by, you know what I mean? That kind of thing, you know? Because I've seen both, um, but only on videos. I've seen um, a two-minute video the morning after a night down on the pier in Skull. And the amount of yeah. litter and junk is just incredible. But I've also yeah. seen video footage of many of the people partying down there. And a lot of them are absolutely demented. Demented like wild mm-hmm. animals. 
I suppose maybe that they young people are young people, Neil. You know, they, they, that's kind of what they do when they go out partying. Being honest, I think that's kind of a given. All of the whether they're in a club or a bar or a party, you know, they're drinking alcohol, having a good old time and socialising and being a little bit crazy. I suppose is blowing off some steam in that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as, far, as far as and young people are always going to do that, and I think if we drive them underground um, and keep stopping them. Uh, doing these things that uh, it creates another problem altogether socially, you know. Yeah. As far as the, as far as the litter goes, I think you know the litter problem could be addressed for sure. It's not a good thing that the town or a part of the town is left in the mess. It, it, that, that's terrible. But you know, when when the guardie are down there and they're ensuring that there's no illegal activity going on or no hooliganism, that um, you know they. The people that have brought their drinks down there could be told, look, listen, you have to take away your rubbish with you. Or even to put some extra bins and stuff down there. Or maybe even some funding for the council to come down on a Sunday morning or whatever to do a clean-up. So but is it, true, is it true that th- some other people down there, the locals and others who are down there with their families trying to have a reasonably decent holiday, that they're annoyed with the carry-on? Ah, uh, sure. Look, the, uh, like being honest, like the pier is kind of out of the town a little bit, you know. And you'll always get people, no matter where, if it's a club in the main town on the street, you'll always get the local residents who won't like the noise. You'll get the older people who won't like the noise. You'll get always get people who will complain. Um, you'll always get people who seem to get up in arms as well when young people do do things and think like it's the worst thing ever that they should not be doing it. But it um, is bad, it is bad Jason when all of that stuff is left around the following morning people, that's a no-go area for everybody else on their holidays then. I mean it's distressing I, for I, people I, to see that. I, I, and I fully understand that and I agree with that and I think that you know instead of just shutting it down that the problem could be addressed by educating the young people. But you're like, they don't need educating. It's like knowing the difference between day and night. I mean, I imagine a lot of those are also going banging on about climate change and global warming. It's like, are we to take them seriously at all if they behave like that then? Yeah, well, I think, you know, that to make the effort instead of just saying no, uh, to try it, to say to the young people going down there, look, it's okay for you to be here, but you do have to take away your rubbish. Apparently the parties and, down and there are causing huge distress to the patients in the local Skull Hospital. They can't even sleep with the noise and the nurses are constantly ringing the guards about it. All fairness. Yeah, well, I, I didn't hear any of that, no, being honest myself. That's, that's new to me. But, but, but you know, if, if it's a situation where they're not allowed to um, congregate and meet up socially and have a drink because they can't do it anywhere else now either and that there should be a designated area an outside area where they should be allowed to and encouraged to uh, have a social How would you feel gathering. if there was a Covid spike in Skull then? Um, I think you know young people are are going to meet up no matter what and I think if it's an outdoor venue in a, on a seaside area it's probably got the lower end of the risk and I think it's going on anyway nationwide. There's parties and gatherings popping up and they're probably in less healthy situations than the situation in Skull. But even on you know, that, that level alone, what's the point in everybody else being given grief about whether they are or aren't wearing a mask or whether they are or aren't on a plane or going on holidays when they see other people then acting like this down in Skull? Or indeed, for that matter, Kinsale apparently. Yeah, but like if if you look at it, Neil, like young people. You know, you know this up. saying that this mantra that people in 
prattling on about. We're all in this together. Give me a break. Yes, we 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 are we are all in this together. No, we're not. And well, well I would like to think I am with everybody, but uh, I would I I just look at young people and they are suffering. Everybody is suffering. And to what we have to be. Don't look as if they're suffering to me. Look as if they're having the party of their life. They are, and that, that's that's relieving relieving some of the suffering that's going on. And I think what we should do is create a space for them. Okay, my so friend. They can, so they can do something like this instead of saying you're bold, you're naughty, you're off your head, you've drunk too much. Now the litter is terrible, and it should be seen too. And of course, residents shouldn't be having their. Um, their, their, uh, the area they live in, you know, being distressed by it, you know, and um, that there could be measures brought in to encourage it, but encourage it in the right way instead of driving them on the ground and to, um, you know, educate them about delivering and maybe to help them with the situation there. Okay, I hope so that nobody, get, I hope nobody gets hurt down there. I hope there's nobody drowned or anything like that, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, the we're living in. All right, yeah. thanks for that. Cheers, Jason. Lines open, one 106 Why would you want a staycation in Ireland anyway? The people are being robbed in this country. I went to a news agent's last Saturday for lunch uh, while I was at work, I guess, to pick up lunch. I got a roll with one turkey slice and two slices of ham brown sauce, a bag of crisps and a can of drink and I was charged a tenner. I was shocked at the price. I'm not mean, but it seems business owners are taking advantage of this situation. Uh, five months ago, I could have got that roll for four euro. I'm sure of it. Uh, well, I suppose you're going to pay four euro for a roll, aren't you? You're going to pay uh, a euro for a bag of crisps and maybe one fifty for a can. So that's, uh, you know, I think that a reasonable price for that probably would have been four and one is five, six fifty perhaps. Tenor is way over the top. I say, if I ran the world, I would ban all sandwiches and I would ban all rolls with only one slice of turkey or one slice of chicken or one slice of ham. I think there should be at least four, maybe six slices of it. Morris would freak hearing that with regards to the weight of people. Most people can't afford to holiday in Ireland. The prices are crazy. If they'd done a voucher scheme, maybe people would have stayed here instead. We live in many economies on our island. Uh, we did have a t- type of a scheme, but you know, so have the... UK where you get a tenner off meals and stuff like that. One wonders whether or not the scheme we have is too little too late. Um, anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. You're well? I'm good, thank you. Actually, can I just say, because we're talking about sandwiches and the size of sandwiches, um, and yeah. I know, I, for me, I think the best sandwich that I ever came across was is a sandwich you get in the Long Valley. But there is a company yeah. that has just opened up on McCurtain Street, and they would give the Long Valley sandwich a right run a for their the money. money. Um, yeah. They do fantastic sandwiches. Actually, um, she who knows all, Google probably knows the name. Who's that company? Crust. Is it next to the burger joint? Is it Crust. next to the burger restaurant? They're called Crust. Crust. Crust, yeah. Do you know them? Yeah. yeah. I have indeed. I've known them. I know them and I know the Long Valley sandwiches too. Pat, it's a great sambo, but Crust are beautiful. Oh my God. Crust do lovely sandwich. Yeah, a good sandwich is hard to beat, Neil. It's not the hardest thing in the world to get right, but a lot of... Well, sorry, you see, not, the problem the in this country, wrong, the problem with this country wrong. is that you notice when the sandwich is good because some of them are Correct. so awful. But I tell you one thing, Correct. whatever they're doing in yeah. Crust, boy, they have a... It's good. They have a good Super, system yeah. out there. Okay, so a good plug Super. for them. Go in and get a sandwich there, lads. Core company. So here, we're, here. We're, we're a dirty race, is it? We are, Neil. I've been on before with this and, you know, as, soon, as sure as night follows day, summertime, beaches are thronged, gatherings of people, young or old, and they leave and there's litter everywhere. Um, and I can't, everyone's banging on about education. And Neil, I agree with you, I agree with you wholesale. I have a five and a three-year-old, two girls, right? And I've them, I've them, <laughs> 
I won't say educated, but I've them trained in that if ever they're opening a wrapper, they go looking for a bin or they Look, give it to me straight away. Yeah, and good luck trying to find you know, a bin, I can tell you. Is I mean, no, but like there aren't enough yeah. bins and there are never any skips where people gather. Like if they no, put a huge big wheelie bin skip, you know, with the with the retractable yeah. roof on it, lid on it. Yeah. If they put that down on the pier in Skull, problem right. solved then, right? I guarantee you people will be standing back and throwing bottles in, making a game out of it and they'll be smashing them everywhere. Our attitude to littering, Neil, and our attitude to bins in particular, if there's no bins, Neil, hold on to it until you find a bin, take it home with you. Don't be such a disrespectful muppet. It's very simple, Neil. There's no, there are no excuses, absolutely no excuses. From cur- we, we had a staycation last week, Neil, we had a fantastic time. We went to Fota, with the playgrounds around. The- I could write a book on playgrounds and where to go in Cork for kids of all ages. There are yeah. superb playgrounds around it that are free. Skateboarding, Bike, bike um, centres on skateboarding parks around the place. One in Carrigaline is extraordinary. It is. And we had a fantastic week, Neil. The weather was lovely, but the amount of litter around where kids are congregating, twenty feet from a bin, Neil. It's just, and I'm sick of this. We got to educate them. We got to. The parents must teach their kids, guys. When you're out on their own, please. I suppose you're right in the sense that no, no bin is not please. an excuse to litter. Like uh, Brenda, Brenda was down in Fountainstown last night, and there are no bins there. I was there, and, and she said there was nappies. There was nappies, used Correct. nappies, discarded on the beach. There you go. No, there yeah. is no excuse. There is zero excuse. I mean, I'm sick of these Cork people, Irish people from all over where they are in Ireland, dropping their litter, and then they're at Cork matches with their jerseys on, going, "We love the rebels," and up the rebels. You're not a rebel. You're not a cork person. You're an absolute muppet. If you litter, end of story. You're you, you're not, you know, you're not patriotic. It's there's no excuse, Neil. End of story. And kids can congregate, have a laugh, have a ball, but please, for God's sake, and it makes my blood boil. And I picked up. I've went tech to tech with two people about littering, and I was successful in both of them. Seeing people litter. You you I, said it to them, is I it? I can't. I can't. Pardon? You said it to them. I did. Well, one person walking walk the road, I shouted at the car window, bring your litter home with you. And on the way back, the particular cup was gone and the person was walking with the empty cup away <sighs> on the street. Another person in a car park in Trilly, he put his McDonald's cup underneath the car door beside him as he was parked. I rolled down my window and gestured him to pick it up. He opened his car door, picked it back up and he drove on with it in the car. I'm sick of people littering, Neil. I cannot abide it well, and at there least is zero you, uh, yeah, well at least you actually do intervene zero. in fairness to you I will yeah. and I've been told keep my you know powder dry I will not I will point and pick up at people if I see them littering and say I, can you please use a bin can I just ask you because you seem to have travelled around quite a bit like yeah you know do, other years would you have gone overseas Nah, not the last couple of years because we've been five minutes free. Right, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a. Maybe it's not a fair but question. I, I, I travelled a lot prior to kids. Yeah, but it's just that it's just that I I toured I toured around a lot over you know some weeks back. You did, and I and I think yeah. no, my kids weren't with me, and I loved my holidays when the kids were small and stuff like that. But Correct. I think that the the thing that I did there a couple of weeks ago was the best holiday I've had in a long, long time here in Ireland. Now some things can be a bit expensive, I know. But they can. I think we are yeah. all too fast to jump on a plane. We are, Neil. You know, if as the saying goes, if you could roof this country, it would be great. And maybe knock a few quid off here and there. But we had a lovely week last week, Neil. And uh, sometimes the weather wasn't great. We brought brollies and uh, wellies just in case. But there's a lot of stuff you can do for free around the place, Neil. Beaches, play parks with kids. You know, go for walks in forest. Corbini is extraordinary. We did West Cork, East Cork, and uh, photo which took up, took up five and a half hours, which is extraordinary. Neil. Amazing. Super day out. Yeah, good man. Fair and, play. Um, Fair play. Fair bring play. a brolly and a pair of wellies and the kids over. But please, people of all walks of life, creed and education, and where you're from, and just 
there's no excuse to litter. End of story. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it as always. Thank you, Barry. Um, we're talking about sandwiches, actually. Uh, best sandwich in Cork is now in Kelleher's on the North Main Street. It's a newsagent. They do fabulous sandwiches. The best of Cork bread and all, says John. Best sandwiches in Cork, Bracken's. And also, as Neil said, in Crust. Unfortunately, Bracken's is still closed. Uh, the last sandwich I had in the Long Valley. Oh, oh, oh. You weren't very happy with it? I mean, you'd love to come back to me and explain why you weren't very happy with it. And all the sandwiches that I ever had in Long Valley, one was better than the next. So I suppose maybe you just got it on a bad day or a very busy day. Um, but anyway, I just mentioned uh, Crust because, uh, you know, it's a new core company and they're giving it holly. And sandwiches needs to, need to be chock full of filling, don't they? There's nothing worse than a mean looking sandwich. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 Red FM. I want to see the video of all of the morning after down in Skull. Just get onto the Red FM Facebook page. I've put the video up there for you to have a look at it. All right. 1850-104-106 for all of the business. Uh, can't get my head around the amount of fear being produced by the media on this pandemic. This virus is not going anywhere. And just like the flu, it is something we will have to learn to live with. The further this goes on the way it is, the more we're learning about the virus, we can see the case fatality rate is so low now. They have to ask yourself, is the cure worse than the cause? Uh, we need to get back to normal. We need to realise the way governments are treating and making decisions is not just going to work. The people who need hospital treatment are not able to access it now. The people who are suffering with mental health issues uh, are suffering alone. The people who are losing and will continue to lose their jobs. The people who are looking at their neighbours and friends as a risk to their lives We just need to wake up and stop letting the number of sick and ill people being shoved in our faces every day direct our attention. This is a pointless metric. People leave this life every day and a very small percentage of those people are as a result of the virus itself. They're leaving the planet anyway. Yet we are leaving the protective measures destroy our quality of life. Off the top of my head, here are some of the ways people will suffer because of the reaction to this virus. Cancer screening cancelled. Jobs being lost. Increase in depression and suicide. Loss of social reinteraction for children. Older people living in fear, not being able to see loved ones. This pandemic is a media frenzy and the government are too self-centred to admit they just overreacted. Wake up, everyone, says John by email to neil at redfm.ie. One of the points he made there was a loss of social interaction for children. So that's one of the reasons, and there are a number of them, as to why the schools will go back. The other being, of course, education and needing an education. Uh, And thousands of schools across the country are getting geared up to open their doors. Uh, Very curious as to what range of safety measures will be in place you know, with regards to masks and separation and bubbles and uh, pods and stuff like that and you know, PPE and sanitation and things like that. Um, the principal of Kolosh to Eamon Reish uh, is Aaron Wolf, and we've, t- we've spoken with Aaron in the past. I'm just curious as to what prep they've made ahead of reopening of the secondary school. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Good. So have you been working on this, like working with no, teachers, I- the department, families? Yes, we haven't stopped. It's been absolute chaos. But look, we'll get there. Our our return date is August the 26th and we'll be ready by then. But it is, it's fairly full on and very intense work at the okay, moment. OK, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back and you can just talk me through. What will it be like on August 26th? 
are very different. I mean, everyone will have to get used to the new normal. I mean, everyone's going to have to make uh, adjustments to their lives and how they come to school is going to be very different. So our students will be in masks. Uh, we're considering whether they're in masks and visors. We'll have staggered start times in the morning. We'll have staggered going home times. Where Our break times will be staggered so the whole school won't have big lunch together. Um, I think in total we're going to have three different big lunches. And the reason for that is we don't want our 400 students all having break at the same time. So as much as possible, we're going to try and segregate the year groups. Um, so we've moved away from teacher-based classrooms. I mean, in most schools, the students would go to the teacher, but now we're going back to the, the, I suppose, the more old-fashioned way of the teacher travelling to the student's class. So in my school, I have five classes of first-years. I have 120 first-years coming in, and they will all be on the, whole, the entire ground floor, and the first-years won't move anywhere else among the buildings. Because in so, the old days in secondary school... Um, well, I went to two different secondary schools. In in one of them, we moved classes. Um, but in in the Mon, you stayed in your class, and the teacher came to you. That was the old way. You're going back to that. We're going back to that, and I suppose that has its own difficulties because teachers nowadays use a lot more teaching aids than they would have. Not saying you're old, Neil, but you know the old the old uh, chalk and talk. We've moved away from that in education. Education now is based on a lot of group work. Um, the teacher bringing in. You don't have a blackboard aids. anymore. You don't have chalk anymore, no. Exactly. Well, the chalk is well gone. We have whiteboards, but the, the whole idea of the teacher standing up at the front of the room is that that's really we, we've moved on from that. The wow. teacher now moves amongst the students, and there's a you'd often have two teachers in the room. You could have team teaching, but all that has been abandoned now. We're going back to how it was taught. The teacher will stay stay at the top of the class, and the teacher won't venture in amongst the masses. So the teacher will be at the black. Will the, the teacher be masked? The teacher will be masked, and the teacher would probably be wearing a visor as well. God, that's going to be tough. It is tight. We're we're actually trying to look into whether the teacher will just wear the visor because we're all in here at the moment wearing our masks. And we actually have students in at the moment, imagine, Neil. We're running a summer camp um, to try and get our students used to coming back to school because one of the biggest problems, and every parent will understand it, is all our sleep patterns are out of of kilt and it's going to be very tough for us to get our children up for school in the morning. So we have about 25 students that have been coming in all week. But the biggest problem has been in talking to each other other with a mask missing that communication you don't know when someone is smiling or you don't know when a joke is a joke you know so that's going to be very difficult um it's very hard to communicate when you're just seeing someone's eyes what's the story then with say sanitation or you know using sanitizers and uh you know disinfectants yeah well, we have hand sanitizers uh, we put them into every single classroom so the idea is that the student can come in and sanitize straight away but we're encountering other problems like if you have students of a muslim faith in your school they can't use alcohol based hand sanitizers so we have to look at alternatives for them so there's a whole lot going on um once you scrape the surface of it there's a, a, a lot more so I'm meeting my cleaners now at half 11 and we're going to have to ramp up the form of cleaning that we do in the school um, whether all the surfaces can be wiped down or will we be using one of those foggers you know that will just settle on the tables um, I've had my woodwork teachers in this morning and we're trying to work out what do we do with all the chisels and the saws do you know how are they cleaned ev- after every single lesson In Scotland the students d- don't wear masks yeah, well, it's mandatory now. It came in, it was it last Friday. Uh, it's mandatory that we uh, face coverings. In, so, in schools? Face... I, I, I read that... Oh, in, sc- in schools now it's mandatory, yeah. That came out last Friday. In Scotland? No, in Ireland. No, I'm saying that Scottish students don't wear masks, but you're okay. saying that Irish students will wear masks. 
They will, yes. It's mandatory in all schools now that, that face coverings will have to be worn. Yeah. But I think a lot of parents want their children to be wearing face covering. I mean, we're fielding a lot of emails and phone calls every day. Parents are very, very worried. Um, we're getting on saying they, 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 you know, people live with their granny or there's someone in the family with a, a health problem and they are very, very concerned now. So um, we have to reassure that. Uh, so using the mask, I think, will... Will help that so the class things. itself stays in its own kind of bubble, if you like, for classes, for, for break time and for food lunches. Well, well, no, it comes a bit more complicated for secondary. In primary school, that's exactly how it works. In secondary school, um, in our school, you, you, would move, you, you could move with, between the years. So for option subjects, um, you, you'll have to move for art. You'll have to move to woodwork. That's when the mixing happens. But we're trying to, in our school, we're trying to contain it within the year group. And when so, they're in those areas and moving from, will the, do the students stay apart from each other, like a metre or whatever? They will be. So what our arrangements in our school will be for the option subjects, that the teacher will come to the base room and actually collect the students if that makes sense yeah, so does. the teacher will yeah. walk them so the, when the bell goes now we're very lucky in our school as well because about three years ago we moved to hour long classes anyway and have uh, you communicated all of this to all of the parents no what we've been doing so far is uh, emailing well sending the odd text to parents just to say look the arrangements are still being rolled out but our return date on a staggered basis will be the 26th of August but I think our parents uh, really understand that we're under tremendous pressure here in the school to try and get this. We've been given very short notice. Um, but we're very lucky. So we've got a great school community. Our parents are very understanding. We do you have a uniform? Our, we do. And we'll be keeping the uniform. And one day a week, the students will be wearing the school tracksuit for the day that they do PE. So I'm trying to timetable PE for the last two classes in a day uh, because we can't use showers. And then, you know, you don't want sweaty teenagers sitting around your school. But see, so. it's, it's fine for the smallies because they are not really communicators of, or transmitters. But you're like, you could have a six foot fifth year, you know, who's an adult, oh, you if could. you like. Yeah, six foot plus. I mean, they are adults. And it is, and that is why um, I suppose teachers are worried um, and students are worried because if they catch it, I mean, it, it could be serious. You know, we have students with health problems. We have teachers with health problems. What happens then have- if you have a sneezing or a coughing student? Uh, there's protocols in place outlined by the department, so they're kind of put into a quarantine space. So if somebody sneezes in the classroom, what happens? Um, I'm not sure there's a sneeze on the list now, I'd have to check, but sir, we say we go for cough, that's much more straightforward. The cough, the student is removed from class and they're sent down to the quarantine area and they'll be sent home and they'll have to go get a COVID test. But we all um, cough, you see. I know, but we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And students, let's look... It's, it's, it's a new, it's a new, it's a yeah. new thing. We'll we encounter it. All we'd say is really, we don't want people to lose their head about it. You know, if someone does cough in your class, it's not the end of the world. Um, now people will be upset, uh, but we just have to all be calm. We'll be level-headed. So we'll talk to our students. We'll try and calm the situation down. The staff will receive training in COVID. But, um, but if a student, I know I don't want to sound like a scratch record, but if a student coughs in a classroom, they're taken out of the class, sent home for two weeks. Until they get a COVID test, I suppose. Isn't that but, you know, incredible? we're still looking at all those things. But you know, that, no, I mean, that, I've heard that before, and and it's not yeah. as if I'm pinning it on you. I did hear that that was the case. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. But better safe. I suppose better safe than sorry. And are all um, parents happy sending their kids back? Do you think you'll have a full? A full class? No, I don't think. I don't think. I think some parents will decide to keep their children at home. We have some students here that would have, you know, severe breathing problems and things like that. That uh, the risk isn't worth it. And they'll just make their own decision. I won't send my child back. The work can be sent out to them. 
but that's that's each parents. Uh, you know, parents are the primary educator. That's our constitutional right. I know, but kids need to get back to school, don't they? No matter what way well, you look at it. They certainly do. And yeah. as I said, we're running the summer camp at the moment just to try and get them back into the routine. And the students we're meeting all week, they're happy to be back. Um, but it has been difficult to keep them social distancing. It has been difficult to make them sure they're wearing the mask at all time. Um, they, they, it's going to be a very different type of school. I know. I know. People be, be calm and you know, don't get too upset and right. too overworked over it. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850 Red FM. I just think that's amazing that when, they, when you go back to school and kids go back to school and teens go back to school, if you cough in the class, you're out. Um, and of course, we have other issues then with regards to colleges when they get back. But there was a very worrying email sent to me by um, a college student who finds themselves in crisis at the moment. Due to COVID this year, I've been unable to find work and that's resulted in me not being able to afford to pay the €10,000 college fees. Contacted my university explaining my situation, but they show no mercy. Their main interest is getting the money out of students and they couldn't care less about the current stressful situation we're in. I've had sleepless nights, overwhelming anxiety and constant feelings of dread and fear that I might have to drop out of my current course. I won't qualify for a student grant. I've raised this issue with Michal Martin and Simon Harris. They never replied to my emails or returned any phone calls. I've reached out to every possible bit of help, including applying for a bank and a credit union loan, which have also been refused. I've worked so hard all year studying, and unfortunately my current situation has left me now with no option but to consider dropping out of college. I suppose that's that's the option you have if you can't find the fees. Uh, I've been uh, left feeling like a lot of other students in the country. The pressure's rising and unbearable because of the financial difficulties. I'm hoping you can recommend some sort of help or appeal to anyone that can help. Don't give them my details for obvious confidential reasons. I have no answer to you, pal. I really and truly don't. I don't know any of your... I don't know much of your personal circumstances where you can't get uh, a grant, um, you know, you can't get help and why the fees are as high as they are at, at €10,000. But uh, I'm just wondering, are there other people in a similar scenario as we head across August and into September and then October and colleges are back? Will people be dropping out? Anybody, any help or direction on that? Uh, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. I did get an email in um, a couple of days back and then I followed it up with a phone call which I did last night it's very worrying because a girl by the name of Rose got in touch about an horrific incident that she experienced personally last weekend it was a quarter past four in the afternoon she was uh, a victim of a thing called upskirting upskirting uh, it happened on Patrick Street at a bus stop on Patrick Street quarter past four in the afternoon she was very traumatised by it upskirting involves someone taking a picture and using a mobile phone um, and they Take the photograph under your clothing without your knowledge, a lot of the time from behind your back without your consent. The idea is to take a photograph up your skirt. Uh, I know, I know. Bizarre, isn't it? But there are websites for this and people uh, get kicks out of this and they online and they share the, the photographs. Uh, it's, uh, it's a growing part of the porn industry. Um, it's not illegal here. They're trying to get it onto the uh, legislative statute books like they are trying to get revenge porn onto the statute books. Now, it is illegal and it's a crime in the UK and it's also a crime in America and many other countries, but not in this country. But upskirting is here. Uh, it's with us. Uh, as the fellow says, it's in the community. So I caught up with Rose last night and I asked her just to talk me through the story. So I was on Patrick Street around Corvus 4 last Saturday, uh, the 8th of August, and I was just standing on the bus stop waiting for the bus to come along. 
And I felt, don't make me feel a presence, like as if somebody's standing close to you. So I just saw a guy standing next to me. I just took a step forward. But like every time I took a step forward, he done the same. And you'd really feel conscious of something like that with regard to COVID and the social distancing. And, you know, exactly. when somebody comes close nowadays, you really notice it. Um, so you were you aware. Would, yeah. You would, you yeah. And at the start, I just thought maybe he didn't realise he was standing close to me. Because I, I do it myself, subconsciously, you don't realise you're standing so close to someone. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt by moving away. And I suppose maybe the second or third attempt when I moved away from him, it's, I was just turning around to ask him, do I just give me a bit of space? Can you just back off maybe a bit? Yeah. And that's when I noticed the camera or I noticed his phone. And one part I knew where it was, I saw where it was, where he had it located and it was literally under my skirt. And I kind of froze for a second. I thought maybe I was seeing things or I, just, I didn't know how to react, really. Um, so I just looked at him thinking, you know, he'd stop. And I shouted at him. I actually cursed at him as well. Um, and at that point, he just didn't do anything. He just took his phone and just walked away. Just walked and off. And I was just he just walked away, just looked at me, and was like, yeah, okay. He, he's like surprised I said that he got caught, but he wasn't surprised that he was doing it. So it makes me feel maybe he'd done it before to someone else. And um, yeah, he just walked away. That's kind of when I lost it, I suppose. And I did push him, but I didn't want to hurt him. I just kind of wanted to do it. I just wanted him away from me. I just wanted him as far away from me as possible. So you pushed him away from you, understandably, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I pushed him away from me and... He walked away out on what direction he walked and now. And I remember just standing there for a few seconds and then I, I must have been shock. Um, because then it was, the tears came and I was just standing on the street just bawling my eyes out and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Now, can I just ask um, you, I hate interrupting now, but hmm. was there anybody else at the bus stop waiting for the bus? There was. It was actually pretty packed um, given the time of the day. There was a few people at the bus stop like sitting down and even standing around as well. So yeah, there was a good few people there. Did any of them intervene, react, say anything to you or to him? No, that's the, I suppose, the hurtful thing. Uh, is the way to say it. Nobody stopped. Nobody came over and said, are you okay? Or I saw what happened. Do you want me to call the guards? Nobody said anything. And they just, either they didn't take notice or maybe they just felt it wasn't their place to to get involved, I don't know. Okay, so we do know that he was right up against you, very close to you, mm. with his mobile phone up under your skirt. And, of course, you started to cry um, because that's a horrific thing to happen. What happened next? Um, so I just panicked and I said, you know, I'll ring my dad um, and get him to collect me. And it took, like, forever to get through to him. And eventually I did get through to him and he kept saying, are you okay, are you okay? And he goes, no, Dad, come collect me now, come collect me. And I think, poor Dad panicked because he didn't know, I didn't tell him what had happened. I just couldn't say the words. And we arranged somewhere to meet. And at that point, because I was in town with a friend previously, yeah. I rang her as well while I was still waiting for Dad to get back to me. And her sister was in town, so she cried lovely. She offered to her sister to come over and wait with me. Yeah while my dad came in. So we were waiting inside the shop, waiting for my dad to come in. And when he did come in, he was with my sister. And I told him what had happened. 
he didn't say anything. He just goes, yeah, we're going to the police. We're going to the guards. That was the longest 20 um, minutes you ever waited for anyone, I'd say. Oh, it was the longest 20 minutes of my life. I thought he'd never get here. And do you be, I was consciously looking around. Cause I, I know you won't come back. But in your head, you're thinking, you don't know this guy. You don't know what his form is. He could come back. And yeah, yeah. Do you get a description of him, incidentally, or an age? I'm sorry, Bal, when I put age on people. I said to the, the guards between, I think, like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. He, just, um, he just blended in with everybody else. He just fitted in. Yeah, exactly. He's just, and to anybody else, he's just a normal guy walking the streets. You could walk past him on your way to work or college or whatever. So you're like, he's just this normal guy that you don't know. You don't notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to Anglesey Street, you went and provided a statement yeah. to a Garda. Is that right? That's it. I gave her a statement and she was lovely, to be honest, she did. But she was honest from the offset. She said there's pretty much nothing they can really do. Like she did say that she put a call out on the radio for the um, the guards that were on the squad to to look out for him. But even if they came across him or somebody matching his description, she said all they could do was just talk to him. Like they'd need a warrant to search the phone so they couldn't actually physically take his phone off him. They could only talk to him. So what you're telling me is that. what you're telling me is he deny it, yeah, and of course um, mm. Yeah, if if he got wind of a warrant, he'd delete the photographs. But in the eyes of the law, is it what you're saying, is that he has done no wrong? Yeah, the way she worded it was because we were in a public place, he could take a phone out and take a picture of anything and we say everything, which I understand that. But there's a difference in taking a picture of, we say, your surrounding area. Yeah, yeah. And what he was taking photos of. Yeah, in fact, if, he'd, know, if he'd taken a photograph of your face... You could have had an issue with them under GDPR, but they're saying that taking a photograph of somebody's skirt is not against the law because it's not on the statute book um, and it's not legislated mm. for. But did she, I, I hate bringing this up, but I hear this a lot when it comes to women who've been raped. Did the guard comment on what you were wearing? She did. Well, she didn't actually comment on my clothes, but she did say um, because they were revealing and I, that made me feel as if to say, then, what was I meant to wear? Like, it's not like what I was wearing was asking for this to happen. I feel like, should I, maybe then maybe i done something wrong. Maybe if I didn't wear that skirt, maybe if it wasn't so short. You know, it makes you think that maybe I asked for this, if that's the right way to put it. Like, it maybe I feel like it's my fault that it happened, or I could have prevented it. And did you feel that way after the guard brought up the fact that you were wearing a short skirt and a string top bodysuit? Yeah, because I didn't take much notice. Like, you saw last night, it was an absolute scorcher of a day. So you were hardly going to wear, like, jeans. And well, you listen, listen, you're, you're, you're entitled to wear whatever you want. Mm. And that's what I thought, too, until she kind of brought that comment up. And it made me feel like, yeah, maybe, oh, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I could have done something differently. And now I'm thinking afterwards, it's like, I can wear what I want. You know, if I feel comfortable in wearing a short skirt or a, a string top, so why can't I? But, the, but there, there are many things. Okay, they say that in the eyes of the law, he did nothing wrong, and hopefully that law will change. Mm. But did they mm. investigate CCTV footage, see if they could identify? Because he's probably done it before. And we'll continue hmm. to do it again. And that's what I'm thinking. The fact that he was so calm 
So like if I accused you of something and it wasn't you that done it, you'd fight back and you'd defend yourself. He was so calm. So that makes me think he knew what he was doing. He's going to do it again or he's probably done it before. Um, in regards to the, the CCTV, uh, they did search it and she actually called me back about eight-ish, I think, that evening. And she said they did search the CCTV in the area, but they couldn't have come across anything. And they didn't even see anybody, like, walk away from the bus shelter at that time. And it's making me think, like, how convenient it is that something like this can happen in this day and age and nothing gets caught. Like, you know, there's, there's cameras everywhere. But was there not a camera covering that? Um, was there not a camera covering that bus station or that bus stop? I can't think of Hanks. I haven't been in town since I know, then. I but know. there has to be surely a camera in that area, or even on a shop. Like there's a few shops around there as well. That's pointing in that direction. Yeah, and and although although he did not lay a hand upon you, it's still a violation, mm. isn't it? It is, and that's what I feel. I feel like it's a violation of my privacy. Because it was my sister that said it afterwards. I didn't think it was like, he can do anything he wants with those photos. He can put them on the internet. He can send them to anyone. He can literally do what he wants. The ball's like in his court. He can do what he wants with those well, photographs. <coughs> excuse me. I was researching this ahead of our phone call. And there are um, porn sites dedicated to revenge porn. Uh, that's where mm. private photographs of women and men are posted by uh, ex-partners or people they've fallen out with. But there are also uh, websites, porn sites for upskirting where people swap photographs. So unfortunately, there is a chance, I don't know how slim or great a chance, that the, mm. the photographs could be uploaded. How would that make you feel? I, I know he didn't see my face. So technically, I could be anybody in that photo. But I still don't like... To know that there's somebody else that can see those photos, especially when I didn't give my permission and I wasn't okay with it. I, I honestly, it would make me feel sick to think that, yeah, chances are my photos are out there. Like we said, we don't know. You don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. And then when I was looking at the law on uh, with regards to this, it is now a criminal offence and has been upskirting in the UK since 2015. It is also uh, a crime in the USA, but extraordinarily just before public outrage made it a crime in America, one judge told a woman who tried to successfully take a court case that nothing happened because she had her clothes on. Would you believe that? What? Yeah. You could never say the same thing about me, that because I had my clothes on, nothing happened. Well, I'm, yeah, 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 I'm just telling you what a judge said. Um, are you aware of the fact that there is a petition in Ireland? Um, it's nearly at... Um, 15,000 now, it's probably even past 15,000 who have signed to change the law in this regard. I actually wasn't aware of that. And if that's just to give us more, say, rights or find, like, more justice, maybe? Absolutely, yeah. But it would include upskirting uh, and revenge mm-hmm. porn and a thing called cyber flashing. Um, but because you may or may not remember Dara Quigley, who took her own life when she was videoed, well, she was captured on CCTV. She was mentally unwell, the misfortune. Um, She was walking naked and she was detained and kept by the guards. But a guarder recorded the CCTV footage and sent it to WhatsApp and it was shared hundreds of thousands of times and Dara took her own life. So issues like this actually have a terrible effect on people, you know? And it's 
true. Like it's, it may not happen when it, when it does happen. You may not feel it straight away. It's the aftermath, it's the days, the weeks, the months afterwards is when it'll hit you. And it's it's not something that's, especially not poor girl, it's not something that's going to leave, leave you overnight that you're not going to forget something like that are you do you think that women should be do you think that women should be very very wary um again this afternoon i i saw different articles and and videos that were showing how people upskirt and it is at bus stops it is in uh crowded areas where they just blend in it's also in shopping aisles um where they literally sometimes kneel down and also on escalators do you think that women should be it's not as if they're wary enough as it is, but even more wary of their surroundings. I feel so. Like, I, I know for me, you know, when I'm going out, I'm going to be wary. Because he's still out there. Like there's, And he's not the only one. Like, there's going to be a lot of other people out there that are famous themselves. But yeah, I think in this day and age, we shouldn't have to, but you have to be so wary of the people around you. And you feel like you're judging people and you shouldn't judge before you get to know them. But like, I didn't know him and he violated me and I feel, yeah, you should be, especially should be wary uh, going out and I'm only going to be so wary going forward. Have you been out, I mean, have you been out since and are you a lot more apprehensive around people? I went out for my sister on Sunday because we had a prior engagement booked in, but to be honest, I don't feel safe going out on my own anymore. Have you changed Um, how you... I would go to your local shop, like, but... Have you, have, you, have you changed your fashion sense? Have you changed how you dress? Yeah, like, I'm afraid to wear, like, the way she said it, like, revealing clothes. And I shouldn't be, because, like, it's my body. I feel I should be able to wear what I want without the fear of something happening to me. But, yeah, I would I would definitely fear wearing something that, that revealing again. Um, it was wrong of the guard to say that, whether intentionally or mm. not. It really was. It must have come across as very hurtful. And it did, like, at the end of the day, like, it's my body. It's not that I'll go around wearing those clothes because I want people to stare at me or I want people to do things like that. Because I feel good in those kind of clothes and I shouldn't be judged because of what I wear. Well, the way things sit right now, it's not a crime. They are trying to get it uh, through the houses of the Oireachtas to make it a crime and revenge porn. But we're way behind many other countries in this at the moment. Yeah. And that's the thing. She actually said that because I pushed him away. I'm the one that could be done for assault. So at the end of the day, it's me then that's in the wrong. Now, chances are he's not going to come forward. And if he has done oh, no, so by now. Uh, he'd be an idiot. God almighty, not a chance. You know. Do you mind me asking how you, because I'm a dad myself. What, what did your dad make of it? Dad is really um, not happy. No. Um, like I did. Obviously, I told him what happened and he brought me straight to the guard. But he feels that, he even said to me that he wished he could do more. I know. He feels helpless. I know, I and know. Like I said, there's nothing he can do, you know? He'd be heartbroken, though. You're his, you're his daughter, you know? He'd be heartbroken. Yeah, and that's the way he feels at the moment, that he should be doing more, but he just doesn't know what he can do. Okay, so it's here. It is happening. We know that it's been happening in other parts of the world, but it's right mm-hmm. here amongst us, and uh, people need to be aware of it. And let it be a warning to women. Is that what you're saying to me? That's what I'm saying. It's like, just be careful. Just If you are standing at a bus stop or if you feel that there's somebody around you that you don't trust, walk away. You know, I, that's what I should have done. I know I should have walked uh, no, away. I mean, don't, don't be, don't be doing this blaming thing. You were waiting for a bus innocently. You know, your mind hmm. was in other places. It's nothing to do with you. 
It really isn't. Yeah. Listen, um, Rose, um, I really do appreciate you sharing it because stories like this need to be shared so that others can be aware. Yeah. And I thank you for that. No problem. Yeah. Like, I wasn't going to, but then my friend was saying, like, do go yeah. on the air. Let it be known to other women. So it doesn't happen to other women going forward. And hopefully we can get somewhere with the petitioning. Okay. 100% like agree that. with that. And thank you for it. Look after yourself. Thanks for taking the call. I will too. Thanks. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. So thank you to Rose for coming on here and sharing her uh, experience on Saturday afternoon, quarter past four, uh, at a bus stop on Patrick Street. Now, she did say that the guards stated that there's not a whole lot they can do. But part of her conversation with me, she outlined how the Garda... Um, and this is a quote from the email she sent me originally. She said, the Garda, she commented on what I was wearing as I was wearing a short skirt and a string top body suit under that. Uh, I knew I was showing skin, but I'm sorry, since when does this give someone permission to do what they did to me? Um, by any stretch of the imagination at all, I think this fits into the category of uh, sexual assault. Mary Crilly joins me from Cork Sexual Violence Centre, the founder of that centre actually many years ago. Mary, good morning. Morning, Neil. You, would you? Th- um, yeah, go ahead. I know I totally agree with you. And first of all, I'd like to thank thank Rose, but I agree with you know what you were saying in the interview. The um, comment like that is totally unacceptable. It's outrageous. I'm very disappointed because there are protective services units set up in you know in the city centre at Angus Street, and I went to the launch of one in North Cork last week where they just investigate sexual crimes. But my confusion in this one um, is that she was left kind of believing nothing could be done, and. Some a similar case happened last year in Dublin during Pride. You're referring where, to the Russell Sykes case, is it? Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, you know about it because you would have even covered it back then. Yeah. Where where a man kind of took photographs of a woman in Pride. He knelt down and took photographs under her skirt. She reported to a guard because there was many guards around the place monitoring Pride. And the guard caught a guy, even though he went away. He changed the T-shirt. He's different T-shirt on. The woman still recognised him. The guard was able to take the phone. And he was charged in district court and he was found guilty of engaging in offensive conduct of a sexual nature. And that's my confusion. If um, if Rose was told that nothing can be done, that's it. Like, I know the law has got to be changed at the end of the year to do it this and to do it revenge But, the, but what you're saying is that, yeah, revenge porn and upskirting and uh, cyber flashing. But yeah. what you're saying is that you can be prosecuted anyway. It exists. It happened in Dublin in it, July it, it 2019. Happened. It happened. I mean, it's there. This person was in the district court. Exact same thing. Took photographs. Went to a guard. The guard got the, got yeah, the yeah. camera or the phone. Like I know in, in this case, the guard didn't find a man. But I mean, I just felt Rose was left with feeling nothing could be done. And my concern is that everybody else listening would say, "Well, if it happens to me, what's the point?" And there is a point because it has happened. Um, as you covered it last year, it has happened. And can I just say that we did ask the guards about this incident on Patrick Street on Saturday afternoon and uh, I got a statement back saying, on Garda Shikana, do not comment on named individuals. But they did go further than that and said, Gardi did receive a report of a man acting suspiciously whilst on his mobile phone on Patrick Street last Saturday. They say Gardi did inquire as to what the lady was wearing so she could be identified on CCTV. They say Gardaí reviewed CCTV and they have other inquiries to make into this matter in the sense that they're still investigating it. But they're, they're saying in the statement that they only inquired as to what she was wearing so that she, they could identify her on the CCTV. But was, that was not the impression she was left with. 
It wasn't. And she heard somebody saying to her, you were wearing revealing clothes. And that's what she heard. And that's what matters. And that's what was said. Because I don't think that young girl, Rose, has any reason to come up with that kind of um, wording. She went to the guards hoping to get justice, to get some kind of support. And I'm very angry to the bystanders, but I'm not surprised. You know, you see it all the time. I was out, as it happened, I was out going for a walk last night. I kind of take a walk around the city at night time because that's where I live. And of all people, I bumped into Katrina Toomey, who's often kind of doing the rounds there. And she just picked up a young girl in Paul Street who was a bit out of it. And as she said, lots of people were just walking by and passing. And this young girl was only in her 20s, you know, and needed somebody to kind of intervene. So it is about time we all woke up and started calling this out. Because this guy, if he's doing it in the middle of Hatrick Street, where people are around, he's doing it all the time. So it is amongst us then. I wonder how prevalent is it? I'd say it's very prevalent, um, very prevalent. And I think it's done, you know, like every kind of crime like this is done right in front of our eyes and nobody's watching because nobody wants to get involved. Or as you're kind of saying, I don't make a fuss because I'm not really sure. Maybe he's just um, looking at his phone. Maybe he's not doing what I think he's doing. And I think if you are aware of something that you feel your instinct is saying this is wrong, intervene, do something. Yeah, yeah. She felt, as she said, violated clearly. Look, if he's taking a photograph of somebody else, take a photograph of him. Yeah, some texter said yeah. that actually, but I suppose you freeze, don't you? You go, you just you go into shock. You do, you do, and you doubt yourself. I think that's the problem in this world. We all doubt ourselves, what we see, what we do, and you know we don't cause trouble. We don't intervene where we might wrong somebody. There's a big thing, Irish thing about which I can understand about not wronging somebody. But I think very many men who I'd meet would say, "Look, I don't mind being checked out. I don't mind being asked things because I want people to be safe." And most men won't mind as the ones who are doing something are the ones that will mind. But she even in a conversation with me and processing it after the event felt, oh, maybe it was my own fault. Maybe I should just cover up more, you know. But like, I think fashion is a form of expression, isn't it? It, it is. And, and it's warm days. And I mean, you love to see the young people going around feeling invincible, feeling free, feeling like they want to dress up, they want to have their own kind of sense of fashion. And there's guys going around with no T-shirts on them. So, I mean, that's double standard there again, which is totally unacceptable. Yeah, unfortunately, she did have to justify it by saying it was such a warm day. Um, you know, what's the difference in me wearing what I was wearing and a guy who passed me at the same time wearing no top or wearing tight pants? You know, I feel I should be able to wear whatever I want and not to be judged for it, she said. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, for she should. I mean, his behaviour was unacceptable. And I just want to say thank you again to Rose and to other people who it happens to ring in, ring the guards. I'm going to talk to the guards today now to see exactly what the procedure is. If in Dublin they say they can take a phone and they don't need a warrant and in Cork they say they need a warrant, we need to kind of sort this one out. Okay. Well, you know, you're aware of um, this petition that's fast approaching 15,000. I, yeah. I am, yeah. And I'd encourage people to sign it because the more pressure that's put on the government to do something, the more things change. Because right now, if somebody has a video of, say, an ex-partner, this is termed revenge porn, and they post it and it's shared and it's intimate and personal. That's not actually a crime in Ireland, sure it's not? It's not a crime. No, hopefully, I know the minister has said she changed that by the end of the year, like it should have been changed a long time ago. And most of these videos are taken when somebody's in a really lovely relationship with somebody Correct. and they say, let's film ourselves and then they break up and all of a sudden it's up there for everybody to see, which is awful. It's awful not knowing for the rest of your days that something so personal about you is up there for everybody to see. Okay, well, thank you for that, Mary. Um, okay. Anyway, at least the only upside to this is this is still an active guard investigation from what they're saying in their state. 
statement, they have other inquiries to make into the matter. Yeah. Maybe with your intervention, that could help as well. Thanks for taking the Hopefully. call. Thank you. Thanks Cheers for now. Bye. Mary Crilly by phone. Um, if you want, I can give out details in a few minutes' time. If you want to um, join that petition and sign your name to that petition, it's an online petition. I just need to get the exact details of where you can click in to get to it. And as soon as Brenda gives me that, it's a petition in Ireland to make revenge porn and things like um, uh, any kind of uh, harassment, sexual harassment, any type of sexual violation like upskirting, a crime in Ireland. So when I have that, uh, I'll bring it to your attention. But let me stay with the phone lines for now. Emma, good morning. Line six, I believe. Emma, can you hear me? Hi, Neil. Oh, thank you. Gotcha now. You you heard my conversation with Rose. What are your thoughts? I did. I just, I just think it's appalling that the guards didn't take her seriously because that's my impression of it. And um, I just think that uh, there is CCTV footage um, in no, all different areas. Not sure. I mean, they did look at CCTV footage of the area. Um, I don't know whether the, the cameras didn't cover that bus stop um, or, or but they don't seem to have uh, been able to identify the I look at loads um, of CCTV um, merger programs because I just love the documentaries. And um, the, that's the one way that an awful lot of, of crimes are solved. Now, this is granted, this is in America. But I mean, there is CCTV footage in most buildings and most business areas. This was um, at a bus stop by Centra on Patrick Street. Um, she was in the bus shelter. Um, I'm just flicking through her email again. The guards called me later and said that uh, they had someone look at the CCTV of the area and didn't see anything at the, in that area or didn't even see the man walking away. That would lead me to believe mm-hmm. that they don't have CCTV evidence. Well, if I were her, I'd pursue it because I think it's an absolute horrendous violation. She sounds a lovely girl. She's a young girl. She's entitled to wear what she wishes. Um, you know what upskirting is? I don't have to explain it to you. I never, I never heard of it, honestly, until I'm listening to your programme and I guess what it is. Um, it's shocking. It happens, it happens in supermarkets as well, in supermarket aisles where a character will stand behind a woman who is, I don't know, wearing, wearing a dress and... <laughs> She might be leaning yeah, I, forward. He might pretend to to, to kneel down to get yeah, a can of yeah. beans. And uh, you, I don't have to explain it anymore. No, that. no, no. I'm. I mean, I never heard. I never heard of it until just listening to this. And I think, God, I'm just shocked. It's appalling. But uh, if it were me, if she were my daughter, I would pursue it. I would go to a solicitor. I would just try and catch that guy. Okay. All right. Thanks, Emma. Yeah. Appreciate it. Just, Thank you. Yeah, and I think you know she should not let it go. She should not let it go. Appreciate that. Thank you. Morning, Neil. Upskirting is a huge problem in Singapore. It's a crime um, and it's always reported in the Straits Times newspaper. You know, a lot of people listening overseas. Uh, this crime is punishable by a prison sentence and possibly caning in Singapore. Yes, caning. It needs to be stopped in Ireland before it becomes an issue as well, says Carmel. Uh, I think she's actually sent me an article on this from um, the Straits Times, which is the Singapore newspaper. 14-year-old boy in a school in 2018 when he used his mobile phone to snap an upskirt photo of a female classmate. He committed similar offences later that year, targeting other victims at places, including uh, some kind of a metro station. He then shared the images with schoolmates through WhatsApp. 16 now, he pleaded guilty at a district court to three counts of insulting a woman's modesty. That's the crime there. 
Four other similar charges were con- will be considered during sentencing. Um, but uh, he also did it on a bus, apparently. He also targeted a woman on an escalator. Uh, he shared the photographs with the 10 other boys from the school ver- via an, a WhatsApp group. Um, so that's as much as I know on this because he was due for sentencing, or he is due for sentencing on the 14th of August, which is, he's due for sentencing on that tomorrow. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106. If you would like to um, sign your name to the petition, then you go into the www.change.org page, change.org then you search make revenge porn a criminal offence in Ireland. Wouldn't be just revenge porn, but it also would put properly on the statute books uh, upskirting. Mind you, as Mary Curley said, there was a man jailed last year in Dublin for that. So there is a type of crime that it fits into the category of already. But that's where the petition is. And of course, over the last few weeks, I spoke to uh, three or four different young women who had uh, private intimate videos of themselves not always in a relationship. One was when she was uh, unfortunately very drunk and had sex in public and somebody filmed it uh, and that got shared. And they found it mortifying and also very depressing and a lot of anxiety and stress and uh, suicide attempts in some cases. So that would be revenge porn and things like upskirting. So that would be change.org, make revenge porn a criminal offence in Ireland. Okay, I'll get to get to these phone lines really quickly. Teresa, good morning. Oh, good morning. Thanks for holding. Okay, you heard my conversation with Rose. Your thoughts? I did. Um, well, I I was furious on lots of levels, but I just wondered, like, that comment about her clothing, and I have no idea what a, a string top or a bodysuit is. I don't know. But to well, me, you know what a short skirt is. Yeah. I, I was, that's the point I'm coming to. A lot of the little girls, schoolgirls, you know, 13 and 14, their their skirts are quite short. Like, that's the uniform. So is that same guard going to say that it was okay, there was no crime, if if that man or any other man did that to a schoolgirl going home? No, I know, but the Garda statement said that the Garda, female guard, commented on what she was wearing so that she could uh, identify her from the CCTV footage. I I don't know, that's what they said. Mm, But but she got the distinct impression that the guard was saying... Well, look at what you were wearing. Yes, I, I, I wasn't present at either event, but I'm sure what Rose heard was what she heard. Well, I know what you're saying when you, could, you say if it was somebody, if it was their daughter, like, because that's why I asked Rose, how does her dad feel about it? He feels helpless that he wishes he could do more. What happened to his daughter? It's just that at the moment, with it not being a crime for a man or anyone, a man or a woman, it's not a crime for him to put his camera up a girl's skirt and take a photo of it. Does that include young girls going to school in their school uniform? Still not a crime, no? Well, you heard about the court case where a man was jailed yes. in Dublin for doing it, so... I heard it with great we, interest. Yeah, so it, so it is prosecutable. If they could find him, for instance, this guy on Patrick Street, and he still had the photo, he would need to have the photograph still on his phone. You know? Yeah, and then I how would you prove what photograph it was and of whom? I know, it's just a mess. I wonder if he's listening to your show. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> that phone will be chucked. Isn't it a very, isn't it a very scary world? Like, uh, we hear it's different horrible. things. Particularly it's horrible. It's horrible. I was saying to your researcher, and I don't want to go into detail, and it's nothing, but I went to school in London, and it, it was a posh convent. I'm not posh, but the convent was. 
And our un- it was a very strict uniform, you know, the little straw hat and the white gloves and so on and so forth. And I realise now that I'm older. I, you see, I used to get a lot of hassle going on the train to school. And I realise now that my uniform and me at 12, 13 years of age would have been a paedophile's dream. And it got that I was almost scared to go to school. And I had to use the train. Like, we didn't have a car anyway, but it would have been too far. The school's on the other side of London. Yeah. And it, it just struck me when, when Rose was told, I think she sounds a marvellous person. I think when Rose, when Rose was even mentioned what her clothing was. But how, how, come, you, how come you were so clued in as a, as a kid with regards to... The, no, it's, the, on, it's only now, now that now, I know what a paedophile yeah, is. Yeah. And, like, I but, had lessons from, like, my dad. Um, never get in a carriage on your own. And um, if, if everyone gets out, you get out too. You know, don't stay. So at, at some level, he was trying to protect me, you know, because there was some, there was some awful weirdos in London. You yeah. know, there were, and I'm yeah. long gone from the place. But did, did you have any interaction with it? Like, were, were you... Were you were you frightened going to school in a uniform? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I did get. I did get. I I used to feel that this unpleasantness was going to happen every time I went to school. By how men would look at you, is it? Oh, they'd make silly little noises, you know, like <laughs> I don't know All if right. I can do it over the phone, but you know, silly like. And I was twelve and thirteen. They used to make noises like, um, "Oh, you know the sort of noises." Yeah, I can imagine. And these would be men of about. To me, they were old men. When I look back, they were probably about forty. Yeah. You know, they weren't like sixteen-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah. That's, you expect that from sixteen-year-old boys in a way. Well, I didn't. But you mm. know, nowadays it's a sixteen-year-old. Now, when boy. you look back on it, now you realise what was going on. Yeah, they'd I make comments I... or make noises or make yeah, remarks yeah. as you walk by. And yeah. getting too close to you on the seat and all that kind of thing. Now, it carried on when I was older, but you, you learned to handle it a bit better. But I just thought of poor Rose at that bus stop, yeah. going about her business quite lawfully, waiting to get her bus home after a, a little day in town. And she has to put up with that and then to be, and, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. I've well, heard that too many times. Okay, about but at least we've found out that this is still an active investigation, as I'm well as the fact so. that we've known that I'm it is becoming. So. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that. And I, I, I think Rose is a very articulate, respectful young person. Yeah, I agree. And 100%. Her dad, I'm sure her dad is very proud of her. Thank you and so she much. She did the right thing. Yeah. She did the right thing. She rang her dad. She waited for, I think, was it her sister? She waited for her sister. Mm. And. I, I hope it doesn't put her off going into town. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. And also, I'm obliged to Rose for coming on and, and sharing. Um, that's the thing now with the world that we live in, with smart tech and, you know, uh, technology that's available at our fingertips. It will be abused in many different ways. This is upskirting, of course. Other aspects of it involve fraud uh, and, uh, you know scams and other aspects of life with modern technology. We'll come back to that. Uh, keep your calls and text coming. Text 0868104106 with regards to the carry on down I mean, with regards to the parting, I suppose, is the way to put it down in, in Skull. Um, Lizzie says, it's disgusting. These youths just don't get it, do they? We can't get rid of COVID-19 right now. We'll continue to live a life full of restrictions, quarantines and lockdowns. Smarten up, young people. 
um, soon freedom will be just a memory uh, parting is, is one thing I think leaving all your junk behind you is certainly unacceptable I think you know there's probably a happy medium in there somewhere in, in, in Skull Daniel says this is dreadful no wonder people of all ages are going nuts down there with no pubs clubs or sports venues open this kind of carry on will continue Madja says the guard should monitor the place and not let it happen again well you are talking about hundreds of people you know, it's not martial law, so um, I think one way to begin, actually, would be to start with one of the big skips, you know, at least then at, uh, you know, then if there was a huge big skip in there, it might give some young people who are parting an opportunity that thought might enter their head to dispose of their junk safely and responsibly. Can't wait for these holidays to finish and we can have Skull back again, says Michelle. I hope they take the cones uh, down on the main street so that the traffic can flow once again. You can tell who the holiday makers are as they don't know how to drive in this area in the first place. Libby says, don't these kids learn anything about the environment? Yesterday on Yaw Beach, the rubbish was absolutely everywhere. It was the same in the lovely park. Gangs of teenagers sitting around, rubbish strewn everywhere. It's such a shame. I know we're all young once, but they really don't give a care at all. It's like they're untouchable. It's so unfortunate, really, because there's nothing better and to see young people out gathering and having fun and making memories. So I wish to God we could work all that out. Mind you, Mary wants to bring, bring back public flogging. Flog them on the beaches. Flog them on the piers. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 Red FM. Ian's not impressed. He says, Neil, you're talking about a conversation with the Garda and you're not completely sure. You should have the facts, not the what, not just what you're interpreting, interpreting from a conversation you weren't there. Uh, you weren't there. Do you know the exact wording of the discussion? You could be doing the Garda wrong. But I do agree this individual needs to be found. Well, I did make that point clear. I said I wasn't there, but certainly from my conversation and what Rose said, she interpreted it as being a criticism of what she was wearing. I mean, I did say that. But and having said that, appreciate your contribution. Thanks all the same. OK, I'm nearly out of time. One last call before I leave you for the day. Sally, good morning. Good morning. How are you? OK, and there's reams more texts actually from Skull. But are you a resident down there? Are you down there? Have you seen it? What are your um, thoughts? I'm actually not from there, no. Um, I just saw your post and was kind of surprised really at the amount of comments on, you know, it'll only take a little bit to clean up. And Not if you saw the video, no, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and I just think it's complete disregard for, well, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. You know, back when I was growing up, I certainly wouldn't have thought of trashing anywhere or anything like that because it would have been a lot worse consequences for me. <laughs> Yeah, but times change. They change quite quickly now and the availability of alcohol and and, uh, and drugs and, and freedom and people have more money, you know, before mm. would have been completely unheard of, you know, be drinking yeah, in public I, like that. I just think, you know, it's all about respect, learning respect for the, the area and other people and residents. Yeah, because no, undoubted, undoubtedly people down there who are trying to get on with their holidays or to live their lives, um, they're very unhappy with it. Yeah, as I completely understand. You know, I'd be certainly disappointed to walk outside my front door and see it. it's absolutely destroyed. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.